Coming to you from high atop our luxury studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 30. Today is the all NAB 2016 episode here on Tech Move. We'll bring you a bunch of interviews from some of the great highlights coming from the NAB showroom floor. Join us. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! Well, it's Rod Louie and Keith Moreau on what is yet again another momentous uh, episode of Tech Move. And uh, Keith, why would you say this is a momentous occasion here at the offices of Tech Move? Every episode of Tech Move is momentous. Just getting another one out <laughs> is a miracle you you are correct but in actuality the reason why this is so momentous is because keith congratulations it's episode 30 oh really we're at 30 we're at episode 30 oh. which is incredible when you can put out you know one episode what every year it's uh yes. you hit the 30 mark uh, uh since we've been in business yeah. For uh, so long already, yeah. so our podcast predates the internet. <laughs> it does. It it it, it really does. Yeah. Well, Back congratulations. The... You're welcome, Rod. Yeah, and Congre- it's been a pleasure. All 29, and hopefully this episode as well will be as pleasurable as all 29. Previous right, episodes. And, <laughs> and I hope to at least put out another 10 episodes before my retirement. So, yes. uh, so that will be that. That's a goal that I have. So yes, and you'll have a lot of time. Well, I'm I'm only 18, so I fi- <laughs> I figure that uh, that will be uh, you know we should be able to achieve that. So. I think so. I think so. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> hey, you know what? Not only is it a momentous occasion because of the 30th episode, but also yet again a triumphant return back to the Bay Area from Keith Moreau because uh, this is our NAB 2016 episode of which oh, yeah. Keith has just returned home from attending. And I believe we have a lot of things that we need to cover, that we need to talk about in this episode. And so we're going to be doing a lot of stuff uh, in today's episode with regards mm-hmm. to the NAB. Uh, mm-hmm. Keith, uh, tell me a little bit of, uh, you know, about NAB. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I wasn't able to make it uh, this year only because they could not fulfill my uh, my rider and provide me with uh, with all the things that I had contracted. Yes, so yes, I was the, unable to go. Yeah, apparently those brown M and Ms are just they're just really hard to get right now. They're they're hard to get, and I, and I just won't appear anywhere, you know, <laughs> without them. So, uh, so Keith, uh, because yes. your your rider is nowhere near as uh, diva ish as mine. Uh, <laughs> You know how how was uh, the show? Just as a, as a as a general thing, was it fun? You have a good time? How was it? 
Well, it was okay. I do have to say that um, I just want to, if, if the NAB folks are listening, and I know you are, because this is Tech Move, and you know they you always know, do. I, they they, they well, do did listen. give us press passes, right? So they, yeah, they gave us press passes. Oh, there's a whole story about the press passes. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> uh, okay. Amazing story about that. Good. So um, yeah, so I just have to lodge a complaint. <laughs> Uh, with the NAB folks, NAB every year has a, a bunch of parties that they sponsor. Yes. Um, sometimes maybe three or four of them. You know, they definitely the opening night, sometimes the night before the opening night. Yep. Um, last year I actually attended the opening night uh, party and it was pretty good. It was at Hakkasan's in the MGM ground. Okay. Was, you know, huge club. You know, these things are amazing. They're gigantic lights, yep. you know. Yeah, hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars invested in the infrastructure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, no, hundreds of millions, probably. Right, right, and, right. And well, it's actually like hundreds of dollars just to get into the clubs. So <laughs> I know it's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, kind of fancy and stuff. So, so that was pretty. That was okay. That was pretty good. Um, so this one this year, we we didn't attend the Monday night. We were we were I think too tired or busy or something. We right. did something else fun, but. Um, but Veronica and I decided to attend the Tuesday night, which was the VR, the NAB-sponsored VR uh, night out. And that was actually at a really like really famous club there, like one of the fanciest clubs and famous clubs they have called the Omnia, mm-hmm. which, which is inside of Caesar's Palace. Right. And uh, I didn't know anything. Of course, I know nothing about these clubs in Vegas. But when I looked it up on the internet, it was like... Wow, it was just like looking like an amazing environment. Just to look, just to see the inside of this club would have been fun. Oh know? yeah, and, and, and we, just the technology that goes into these clubs is is really great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, you know, it's just really packed. It's really, pa- uh, it's a really um, popular club, and but uh, so but we kind of Veronica and I kind of made an agreement. You know, we can't really stay that late because we have to get up the next day and do a lot of recording because that was going to be our main day wednesday was going to be our main day to record because we had to leave wednesday night so um so we so we said we're just going to get there it opens at ten thirty. the supposed the the invitation said ten thirty to eleven thirty is when they when the free drinks are so we'll say we said we're going to leave at eleven thirty. okay so we'll get there at ten thirty. leave at eleven thirty. so we get there you know a little bit before ten thirty, like mm-hmm. ten fifteen or something mm-hmm. and we get there and you know caesar's palace it, it probably in its day was a nice nice place, but I think it's kind of run down now, honestly. Caesar's Palace. Yeah, Caesar's Palace. Yeah, at least the entrance and stuff. It's just kind of like a typical casino, smoky, mm-hmm. sure, slot slot machines and stuff. You know, sure. it's not that fancy. So, um, but we get there and we go to the you know we kind of make our way to the Om- Omnia part of the Caesar's Palace. Right. And and you know we see the sign the Omnia entrance and we go there and it's great. You know, there's like these little ropes and stuff. There's nobody waiting and. There's a little sign that says staff guest or something like that. So we go there, you know, with our, so, so this is the NAB um, line. And the, the uh, <laughs> I think the guards or the bouncers, whoever they are, mm-hmm. kind of laughed at us and said, no, it's over there. And they put it down, like, pretty far away right. and said, that's where the NAB line is. <laughs> so <laughs> so we kind of go down there. And it's just, it's not really a line. It's like just a mass of humanity. <laughs> It's uh, yeah. pretty much the service entrance. Well, it wasn't really the service entrance. It was actually one of the main entrances, but it was just it, there were so many people right. from NAB there, and you could tell they weren't dressed like club people. They were just like geeks, you <laughs> <know>. and, <laughs> like it was and, their first time in a club or something. C- kind of like yeah. they had just come from the show. They had a lot of them had their badges on. They weren't uh, dressed up. 
<laughs> like I think Veronica and I were like the best dressed because uh-huh. you know we sometimes go to clubs and you dress nice and stuff and sure. and, and she, it was kind of special for her so she wanted to look good right and and uh, and it was just this massive geek NAB humanity right and nobody could believe how like disorganized like you couldn't even see the actual point where people were entering right and and there were like three or f- there were like five different lines like people had made their own lines and they were all converging <laughs> in one point where everything just kind of bunched up. It was just terrible. And there were the, and, and there were, uh, there were obviously security <clears throat> people, you know, that were there for the club kind of around, but they weren't doing anything. They're just kind of watching everything. Right. And people would come up to, is this the line? They go, yeah. Uh, all, uh-huh. all they're there to do is break up fights. That's all they're there I, to do. Yeah. And you know, there's all kinds of fights going on between the NAB folks, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Very, don't but, touch my prime <laughs> lens. <laughs> don't, don't, um, you know, I, I paid a lot for that for that Metabones adapter. <laughs> you better get off me, man. Precisely. Um anyway, so and the thing was the, My the Vlog line. is better than yours, man. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I'll I'll stop now. <laughs> my my log curve is better than yours. Um <laughs> Your pixels suck, man. <laughs> we have way better pixels than our cameras. Yeah. Okay, go on. Pretty Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine. That'd be so funny to watch guys like that. Yeah. That'd be so Knocked great. Knock down, drag out. Right. To the death. Right. To the death. Right. <laughs> Cage match. Okay. NAB attendees. I'm going to clock you over the head with my, <laughs> with my jib. Well, mine's automated, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Right, um yeah, so we waited there, f- and nothing was moving. And it's things were getting more bunchy, but still nothing was moving. Like we were moving forward, but only because the the space between people was getting smaller. Oh wow! <laughs> and 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 there was no organization. There was no announcement. We could kind of see a sign that said NAB, you know, thing right, way in the distance. Right. And it was base, and also it's kind of in the middle of the casino. So there's like kind of around all the slot machines, which are in, kind yep. of breaking up the lines. Sure. And, I mean, it was just incredibly disorganized. Like, yeah. there was no organization. Right. Like, like they planned this party, and they didn't realize that thousands of people were going to show up or mm. something. Or No, that's just m- the way clubs are. Maybe that's it. That's I don't the know. way it is. Because but you, you know think what? It, it always looks good when there's a lot of people trying to get in. It just okay. makes it that much hotter. There could be nobody inside, but if they got people parked outside, that's the best look that they can get. Okay. Well, maybe that's it. So maybe they'd plan this, yeah, but it. it wasn't. it wasn't very attractive to us and also sure. nobody was dressed very well right it was kind of like so you're gonna have all you know just a bunch of geeks you know not not yep. that we're that superficial or anything but it's kind of like this this club has a dress code in fact in the nab ad it said you have to dress just nice yeah the, you know the, like, the, you know as a person who worked in clubs for many many years mm-hmm. those are very loose very very loose rules yeah they're they're, they're looking more for 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 the amounts of people in there than they are so. to enforce those types of rules. So Okay, well that may be true. So anyway, so at about eleven o'clock when nothing had actually happened except more bunching. Right. We just decided to go because it was like there was no point. It was worthless. It was worthless. So we yes. went home and yes. just getting a an Uber out of Caesar's Palace was also an adventure. Oh really? Yeah, because they kind of make it Uber just opened up in Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. so they kind of make it hard for the Ubers to do stuff sometimes. Oh, in some hotels it's really easy, and others they they really they'd say you have to meet them, you know, over here in this kind of 
sequestered right far away far away area along so, with the other drug dealers and stuff like that right kind of it's just yeah. it's not that easy and the uber drivers are really paranoid so yeah, yeah. yeah. but anyway yeah. we got out we got home and then we had you know room service and stuff so it kind of worked out but yeah so that's just my one complaint to the nab folks if you're going to do it have a party at least try to organize it you know work with the club to to make it more user-friendly for everybody and not be such a lousy experience yeah you know because yeah. You know, I'm not probably not going to go back to one of those uh, necessarily. Sure. Anyway, because that's my little message. Okay. Well, that was- I, I I think that's a very important one, and I think that's uh, uh you know fantastic. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you Thank let you. Him know. Thank you. Good, yes. Good job. Good job. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. So as far as uh you know now now that we got uh, uh all the entertainment out of the way. <laughs> I, I think we should uh, kind of talk a little bit about the actual convention itself. And, uh, you know, Keith, in our last episode uh, where we talked about, uh, you know, b- before you were, g- were going to go, we kind of thought that, you know, not a whole heck of a lot of news had been had been circulating regarding big announcements at yes. the show. yes. Tell me, uh, tell me that we were correct as as as, as fantastic uh, guessers as we are. Uh, yes. uh, how did we do on that? I think we actually were. We we are a hundred percent. Really? Huh? <laughs> I think we're a hundred percent. I don't. I think I don't think there was anything really announced that we particularly cared about. Really. Yeah. No, 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 no huge thing from from no big releases from Canon, Nikon, and of course the great folks at uh, at Panasonic. Nothing there. Uh, particularly the folks at Panasonic. Nothing. Did, did no. they even have a booth? They had a booth. They had the uh, the GH four kind of in the corner, kind of like last time. Okay. Um, in the corner, even a smaller area for the GH four. You know, the Panasonic booth was huge, and mm-hmm. it's very dynamic and. They have lots of different stuff, but they don't have very much stuff on the GH4-ish things, which is what we are interested in. Yeah. They have a lot of stuff on the very cams and the more expensive cameras, which are nice, right. but they're you know out of our price range. They're 30K plus type cameras. Oh, really? Yeah. Those are the high-end ones they use for movies and yeah. other high-end stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Vericam's famous for, you know... All kinds of films and stuff. In the in, in not so much recently, but definitely in the past. And they they have new lineup and large sensors and things. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I'm not interested in the, that particular lineup. So yeah, I went straight to the GH4 section there and said, "So I'm really so where's the GH5?" Right. You know, and the and the uh, the poor uh, demo guy. <laughs> Was he fielding that question like ever since the the, the convention <laughs> opened? I just kind of well, yeah. I I kind of jokingly asked him that because obviously they hadn't come out with anything, and right. and he just and and he just kind of smiled, and and then not not in a nice way, just kind of like an uh, you know like I an, I'm disgusted and I need to just grin at you. Yeah, and I'd actually had heard him saying the same exact thing to the guy right in front of me, who asked that, and he says we have no announcements. Yeah. We have no announcements, <laughs> and he said the same thing to me. We don't have any announcements. Oh, that must be terrible and, for. <laughs> For a guy like that, that was be terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I even asked. I was just joking with him, and I said, "So how many times have you have you actually been asked this today?" Right. And he said, "You know, I stopped counting at a <laughs> hundred. 
So, <laughs> so that must have been a long time. He must have been asked hundreds of times. The oh same thing. my gracious! And then, and then it just, and then everybody who asks is like, he says that there's no announcements, and they just kind of walk away. Oh, you know, they don't the, even try out his cameras or anything. Because you know, anymore. a lot of people who 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 are there to look at the stuff, I'm sure, already have GH4s. Yeah, and they're and they're just chomping at the bit for the GH5. Right. And it's not out yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Dave. So D- Dave Dugdale, we had a little segment with him. Um, I wanted to meet Dave because we had this nice interview with him yes. a couple episodes back. Yes. And, and uh, so I just thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to. It actually came. I think I. I think I actually finally put together his episode like right before the show. Oh, okay. Like, right before any B. So it was kind of a kind of worked in a way. Like I told him, hey, I got. I, I, I finally get, we got finally get your show out. Mm-hmm. Sorry it took so long. Uh, here it is, and if you could retweet it and do stuff, and he did all that. It was really nice about it. He was really good about retweeting and yeah. got a bunch of more more followers because of him. Oh, great! And yeah, no, he definitely helped. I mean, he's he's like famous. Yeah. So anyway, so so I just emailed him. I think that day before the show or the day of the show, um, like on Saturday or Sunday, and. And I just hey you know if if you're around let's let's meet maybe maybe we can interview you before the show and he's yeah that's great you want to have have like uh, breakfast he actually emailed me back and then gave me his phone number and which is which is for everybody here's his phone number no right not not yeah right uh, really <laughs> exactly I mean I don't uh, even give you my phone number and, and, we, and we do a podcast together so <laughs> so um, yeah so he gives me his phone number to text him or whatever. Because uh, he wanted to maybe have breakfast before the opening, and I said, "Nah, I'm not, not going to even be there until like noon." Right. So, but we, but he said maybe lunch, and so we actually did meet for lunch. Oh, good. Yeah, and and so Dave, I think during our lunch, or even maybe even during our segment, I can't remember if he mentioned it, but uh, he did think that the, the they were maybe having some issues with the six K sensor because that's the rumor that GH five has a six K sensor. Oh, so I don't think he knows anything special, and but that's just what the rumor mill has said. Oh, so yeah, Ooh. so six K. Ooh, uh, and, and uh, does that spark any interest uh, for you? Uh, well, if it's a good six K sensor, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a high quality one that mm-hmm. can produce excellent images and has good low light and mm-hmm. has other things that we talked about, why not? Mm-hmm. It's it's a different sensor, so that's kind of good, right? They're probably not going to make a 6K sensor that's worse than the 4K sensor, right? <laughs> I would hope not. Yeah. yeah like it's 6K, but it sucks. No, right. I don't think they'll do that. Right. Yeah, maybe, but it's unlikely. But So maybe that's something to look forward to. So okay. Just, you know. Maybe for uh, 2017 NAB then. <laughs> maybe. Well, that's great that uh, uh, Dave was able to, to uh, catch up with you and uh, and spend a little bit of time with us. It was actually really... It was really cool of him to just to, to take the time. He's a busy guy. You know, even when I, so I, you know, the thing about NAB, it's like, we said, oh, let's go to lunch. And then we looked at the lunch line. It's kind of like this. <laughs> it's kind of like going like, into that club. It was kind of like the, the club. Right. <laughs> it was kind of like. Sure. It was, it was a little bit better than the club. Yeah. But uh, it was, so we went to there and we said, no way. And last time we kind of found the same thing, like the line going into the main, main kind of, it's like a variety of different foods, but there's just one line. Sure, you know how the kind of cafeteria oh, kind yeah. of thing. So, sure. Sure. but the, they have a Starbucks that's also in this similar area, and that's that line was a lot less. So mm-hmm. we decided to go to the Starbucks, and we had a little nice little lunch together, and had a little coffee, and 
just ate and talked a little bit. But while we were even in line and we were just walking to this area to eat, he he's like everybody was coming up to him and say, Oh, you're Dave Dugdale, blah, blah, blah. you know, and it was really funny. He's like oh, wow. famous, yeah. famous guy. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to guess that absolutely nobody came up to recognize you from the great Tech Move podcast. Uh, you know, I had my disguise on, so because <laughs> I try not to get, I, I have work to do. I can't. That's be, right. You know, signing autographs. <laughs> good, and, good. You, you had know. your big butterfly sunglasses on oh, and yeah. your and, and your big mop top yeah. wig on. Yeah, and okay, if somebody yes. did recognize me and approach me, right? You know, I just had my security guard. Had your get security rid of guard getting in the way. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yes. See, that's the exact reason why I cannot appear at, I know. at, at these things. I, 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 know. I just cannot. The, the, the safety concerns are too much. You know, the yes. cartels trying to kidnap me, so on and so <laughs> forth. So I can't do that. That's great. Well, okay. Look, uh, I know that we have a terrific interview that you've conducted with uh, Dave Dugdale, mm-hmm. and I'd like to kind of get to that right now, okay. Okay. and then let us uh, come back and we will comment. Uh, on uh, and summarize and wrap that little segment up. How about that? Okay. Okay. Excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the great Dave Dugdale, along with the even more famous Keith Moreau, and uh, we, we got right here exclusively on Tech Move. So, hello. This is Keith Moreau with TechMove. We're here at NAB 2016. This is the first interview for TechMove for the show. And we have our special guest, actually from our last podcast. Uh, he was actually interviewee from our last podcast. We have our special guest, the one and only Dave Dugdale. Good to see you. Good to see you. Nice seeing you, Dave. So, Dave, uh, we actually just had lunch together, and you talked about a little bit about your, what you were going to see at the show. And so why don't you just tell me what you've seen, what you plan to see, some developments that you think might be happening. Go for it. Well, in terms of uh, things that I've seen, it's, I don't know, what time is it, 2 o'clock now? So I haven't seen too much in the first day, but I went over to the Sony booth for quite a while and played around with a lot of different lenses. I was just trying a lot, because a lot of times when I come out to these shows, I'll like try different things and like, oh, I want to review that and get like I have a relationship with B&H they just send me equipment for 30 days I have to send it back but if I can get a really good idea of like trying the different things um, just basically eliminate things I don't want to look at and then I'm left with the things that maybe in the the year to come I want to at least try so I haven't like gone around all the I don't know there's probably people that are not at the show that know a lot more about what's going on than I do because they're reading their news feed where I'm walking around looking at stuff so they're I don't think there's any new really any new cameras released yet because I haven't heard. But I don't think Black Magic's released anything today. I know Sony hasn't released any new cameras or that these type of cameras, like the small, light, lightweight type of cameras that I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> I don't, I haven't really uh, seen too much yet. So you said you went to the Sony booth to check out some lenses. So specifically, what did you look at? I got to try the uh, 85-1.4, I think it is, that new G Master, and uh, yeah, that was pretty impressive. That was, I took some portraits of the lady behind the booth, and it was, it was very nice. And uh, they don't, they won't let you use the uh, 70 to 200 2.8 yet. It's just like under glass, and they won't let you touch it. Um, but I tried the 24 to 70, and I tried some other one, like smaller ones, like 
vacation lenses that I'm thinking about just trying for the like the Alpha 6300. They have like the well, I want to say it's like the 16 to 50, I think. Like it's a 24 to 70 equivalent APS-C. Um, playing around with a lot of those type of lenses, just trying to get an idea of what I want to review in more depth later. So. Um when I was uh, looking at some of the announcements, there's a couple new announcements. Actually, one of them caught my eye for you because we talked about it before. Um, it looks like Small HD is coming out with some nice larger monitors. Did you hear about that? So talk about that. Well, I haven't I haven't gone to their booth, but I remember seeing one of the videos where they're like running it over, lighting on fire, and and like I know that you were talking about you need a you need a monitor you can run over and light on fire. That was one of your criteria. Although you know. I, the monitor I have now, I have a Shogun, and I've dropped it on carpets from just like three feet, and it, it did break. And I was like, oh, come on, it can't even survive on carpet for three. So it's not the most durable device. So I would, I do need to go check that out. Yeah, that their monitors look pretty impressive, especially if you can, like, abuse the poo out of it, and it still keeps working. Yeah, That's great. Yeah, I, I, it was kind of interesting because they're called small HD, and now they're... They should smell HD with the parentheses well. Um, and also, I was also thinking about you because does is it Atomus that has the, lar the the high quality HDR monitors coming out as well? Yeah, what is it? The Flame, I think it's the one that has 1500 nits, I think. Because I think everything else is like, what, 800 nits or less or 400 nits? Burn yeah. Burn your eyeballs out. <laughs> well, that'd be nice because like the Shogun that I have now, I have to put this hood around it and everything and then you have to put when you get your hand in there to to touch the screen it's really hard to get your hand actually in the hood so having it without a hood and it's so bright you can see that that would be kind of nice i would like that. that's great so what are some of the other things that you are intending to look at during the show well i, I plan to spend a lot of time over like at the adobe booth at, mostly like asking questions like for instance i'm a windows user and yes, unfortunately, Dave is a Windows user, <laughs> but we don't we don't really hold them against that against him because he's such a nice person. We just overlook that. But since I'm a Windows Windows user, um, Apple's uh, QuickTime, the program in Windows is like has a zero day vulnerability or something like that, and it could be hacked into quite easily. So there, Apple's advising or somebody was advising just take it off your system. Well, if you take it off your system and use Premiere Pro. It needs that codec when you download the QuickTime player to actually see your ProRes files. And since I'm shooting with the Shogun sometimes with ProRes, I can't see my files. So I want you know, go to the booth and ask, well, what do I do? Can I disconnect the player from the codec and just use the, the, the codec? And asking questions like that. So I'll be spending a lot of time over there usually. Because this is one of those instances where you get to actually talk to the project manager that's developing it. It's not like you can pick up the phone and call Adobe and like talk to one of the lead project managers. They're not going to talk to you. But here, they're all here. That's what's great about this show. So I don't. A lot of times I'll come here to learn stuff. Like I was talking to a colorist in the Sony booth this morning for like a half hour, just picking his brain, and he's all by himself. Nobody's coming in, and you know, I just got to talk to him directly for quite a while, which is great, and just pepper him with questions and and learn. So that's kind of most of the time I'm here just to learn. Um, and I'm not really doing a news coverage or anything like that. Just like walking around and learning different things. That's good. So when you're at the Adobe booth, can you just ask them, how do I fix my unknown error? <laughs> <laughs> you told me how to fix it before, but that didn't work. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, when you're rendering? Yeah. 
It's tough because you have to figure out where, when you're rendering, when it crashes. Like, you have to watch it. Like, it crashes at 30%, and then you got to find in the timeline about 30%. And if you have a morph cut or something in there that's screwing it up, you take the morph cut out, and all of a sudden it renders fine. Yeah, I've had that happen before, but it's pretty rare. I mean, it'll happen like maybe once or twice a year. I think maybe once you remove the Apple QuickTime uh, codec from Adobe, then it won't ever have any unknown errors. I think you're right. I think you're right. So what else? Um, let's see. You know, I, I as like previous months, I was just add notes to my iPhone, like things I want to see. I want to go over to like the Atomus booth and check out like you're talking about the flame, but um, also Blackmagic's booth because there's a lot of. I want to make the transition from Premiere at some point to go from like Premiere Pro to Resolve and use that as my editor. And one of the things that's stopping me is the XAVCS codec, the way it's wrapped. When you drag on Windows, not Mac, but when you're on Windows and you drag the video onto the timeline in Premiere or in Resolve, the video's there, but there's no audio. And so hopefully this new release, 12.5, hopefully they fix that. And I went up to the first person I asked, he was like, I don't know. It's like there's a thousand releases in this thing, or a thousand fixes and whatnot, or improvements. And that could be one of me. He says, I don't know. So I, might, I have to just download it and try it myself when I get home. Yeah, they probably mix that up with the global shutter um, feature in the, in the mini. <laughs> Although, you know, that 4.6 camera, I downloaded the footage from the Ursa mini. Um, it looks really nice. It does look nice. Yeah, I think I'm just going to have to get the cheapo 4K for the global shutter and then the f more expensive 4.6K. I think it's just going to, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they basically just said, well, if you want the global, you have to get the less the less ambitious sensor. And if you want the nice 4.6 and high dynamic range. Yeah. That's unfortunate. They advertised it and they didn't deliver. Yeah, I was... Maybe you've learned the lesson because they haven't released anything this year in terms of cameras. So I bet you they had a camera ready and they were like, let's release it. And somebody said, no, we're not going to do that mistake again. We'll actually, if it's ready, we'll actually talk about it. Maybe that's what's going on in their facility right now. I don't know. So I actually have a question to you, for you that I didn't really ask you in our podcast, um, which is, so you pretty much specialize in these kind of smaller mirrorless or in the past DSLRs and now the mirrorless would you ever consider a, a traditional camcorder? Well I've got the FS5 in right now for review, well not really review I'm testing, I've never I, I've talked about it, like I do courses and stuff like that and I've talked about 10-bit versus 8-bit, well I was like instead of talking about it I want to demonstrate it so I, I went actually out and got the FS5 and like this camera is just only an 8-bit camera it doesn't matter if you're shooting 1080 or 4K. With the FS5, you shoot 1080, you get 10-bit. So I wanted to compare 10-bit versus 8-bit. And uh, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So I have gotten those bigger cameras in, but typically I don't like shooting with them because um, they're just too big in the type of work that I do. I'd rather be small and discreet and lightweight and get in, get out, get the shot without being noticed kind of thing. Because I'm not doing like Hollywood movies or anything like that, so I don't really need a big camera. And to be honest, the image quality coming off the A7S II and the A7R II is, if not, is equal or not, if not better than the FS5, especially at higher ISOs, because the FS5 doesn't do as well as the A7S II. And when you start shooting log, 
on the FS5, you're, you're starting off at like 3,200 on the FS5. And sometimes in the tests that I've run, you kind of lose that 10-bit advantage because the noise starts creeping and it masks over that 10-bit um, advantage or benefit you're getting. At least in the tests that I've run, but I, that's what I've experienced. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually have the FS5 and I've had it for months. I have, I have all the cameras you have. And, and I've, I've tested the FS5, I agree with you. I think the image quality is better on the A7-2s than the FS5. If you shoot in 4K. If you shoot in... The smaller camera in 1080 and you're comparing it to that, I think the FS5 is better. But when you shoot this from 4K and you downsample it on a 1080 timeline, these cameras look fantastic. The small cameras are amazing. It is so amazing. You know, I've done a bunch of shoots like run and gun, ton of sh very, very small scale shoots recently. And they're so mobile. They're so unobtrusive. You are not like a film crew. You're just, you, you can really, really go under the radar in a lot of cases. It's so, we, we actually were just going to shoot in New York. And we did, she had one camera, I had a camera. We were just following this person around. And it was just great. We, subways everywhere. You know, just totally mobile. And, and it's really an advantage. Although what's kind of, the FS5 is kind of on the border because it's kind of it's still pretty small for a camcorder. Yeah, it's really lightweight. I mean, it's like as light as like the 5D Mark III, I think. It's that light, but it's a bit bigger and bulkier. I think what's in there is you got the sensor and there's a gigantic heat sink on top of it, like a computer, like a computer chip with a giant heat sink. And there's a fan because you can hear the fan, which kind of worries me that it'll stop at some point. But that gigantic heat set takes up so much room, but I think it gives it the capability to shoot those really high frame rates, which this camera does 120 at 1080, which is nice, but you know the other one, I think it was, it's 240, I haven't even tested it yet uh, on the FS5. Is it 240 frames per second? Yeah. So I think that's why, I'm guessing that's why there's a giant heat sink on that, and that's why it's so big. I think also it's possible that they were intended for long takes you know, for hours and hours. That it, like, for example, I set, I shot the FS5 literally, like, for five hours in a row. And never overheated or anything? Okay. Whereas I've actually shot these cameras for just an hour. And even with the new firmware, I got an overheating. Really? Which one? S or the R? I think it was the R. Okay. I was actually surprised. I had the, um, the extra Sony kind of covering uh, case they have for it. It's like the really form-fitting case that they sell. It was a bundle from B&H. It's the Sony brand of, it's a weird case, but the, the actual covering on it is really nice because it's form-fitting, so it actually makes the camera more ergonomic, not so hard. Um, and then I noticed in the shoot, I was like, wait a second, what's this little temperature? I thought I'd done the firmware upgrade. What's this little temperature gauge thing going on? And it actually stopped after, it, it, it was okay. It was okay. I, I, it completed the file and it, it actually saved it. Because I had... I read in the forums where somebody was like, it didn't complete the file. I guess once it stops and it's about to shut down, it's got to close the file. And if it doesn't close the file, then you might the file might become corrupt and then you can't even view it. You might not be able to recover it. So I've heard horror stories like that. Yeah, I don't think that horror story happened with that particular one, but actually on another, with an A7R2, uh, the battery went dead and that, that that segment of the file, yeah. So that segment of the file was definitely destroyed. That's why I carry a lot of these in my pocket. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you're, you, you, this person is talking and you just can't stop them. It's, my battery's going. So that's why I usually use the dual, uh, the dual battery drip, especially on interviews and things. Yeah. 
anyway, I think we could probably talk for like three hours, but Dave's got to actually enjoy his show, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so this has been really great, Dave. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, nice to see you again. Or you actually for the first time. We talked on the podcast, so yeah. Well, very nice meeting you, Dave. Thanks very much. So this is Keith Moreau for TechMove for NAB 2016. Thanks a lot. Well, that's Keith Moreau reporting from uh, the floor in Las Vegas at NAB 2016. Keith, yep. great interview with uh, Dave Dugdale. Thank you. That was that was the first interview of of the whole the whole series of interviews, and I was I, and I told him that it was, and I said, you know, I'm, Dave, I'm going to use you as a guinea pig because <laughs> this is the first time I've used this uh, monopod. To hold to hold the iPad because Veronica was doing the filming, right? And 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 I and I got a special uh, special professional adapter that would take the XLR, just a passive adapter, take the XLR from the mic, and put it into the into the iPad. And and uh, so it was the first time I was using that professional adapter. And then we were using Filmic Pro to do the filming. And then we and then I had this this kind of clamping uh, thing for the iPad that that allowed it to be to have a quarter 20 in it uh mounting nice and then that was then that was on a little quick release that was then going into this manfrotto monopod so the monopod was cool because it was you know monopods are they have those at least this one has a little like three kind of like a little mini tripod at the bottom Mm -hmm. kind of spreads out to three little legs okay at the very very bottom but it's very small sure it's like a is it like a tabletop kind of thing it's kind of like the tabletop ones you see, but not really. The the legs spread out and they're kind of flat on the ground. Okay. So just like three right. that are flat, but it, it's got enough tension in it to kind of keep it upright if it's a lightweight device. Okay. Uh, like you could let let it go with your hands, and if it was standing straight up, it would just stay in one place. If you if you have any kind of angle to it, it'll just fall over. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but anyway, so that's what she used. So it was a lot easier for her to hold. She wouldn't have to physically hold this thing out in front of her for minutes. Right. Or many minutes. So. That worked really well, and, and rather than taking a tripod or anything like that, or yeah, kind of stand, yeah, because it's it's small enough where you can get through crowds and stuff. When you even when you're holding it when it's fully extended, right. it's still pretty portable and easy to maneuver around. Right. So it's actually good. You know, a lot of wedding vi- videographers used. I've used it. You know, bunch. I used it on like for night when I did the Virgin America stuff. I used it on the plane because you know setting up a tripod in the aisles and things is. It's too too large, so yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a good little thing. I haven't used it for a little while, but anyway, it worked out fine. The recordings obviously came out really well. I used the same mic, the trusty AKG one thousand, and Dave was really helpful. He was actually helping me like extend the monopod and <laughs> kind of working the quick release and stuff like that. So he's a really nice person. I I, I thought that uh, it sounded great and it looks great too. And in in fact, speaking about looking great. Uh, folks, you can see these very videos. We're going to post them on our website, aren't we, Keith? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what we're going to do is kind of like last time is is put our whole audio podcast onto YouTube, and then the parts that actually have the video uh, segments will, will it'll be black when when we're just talking like now. But then when the video part comes up of the interviews, then it's going to have a picture. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and then it's going to sure. go away to black. But you have to kind of know that going in. Are you just saying why? Why are they just doing this black? Yeah, you know YouTube because my my niece who was who was staying here at my house while I was in NAB, she was saying yeah, but I I watched these before on YouTube, but is it just is it just black and this is audio? 
I didn't know if there's video kind of interdispersed. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I think probably in the comments, maybe we'll probably put down maybe video begins at something. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, but you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about context. You got to listen to the to, yeah. to these uh, mind riveting introductions that we do here. So you do fantastic. And, and, oh, so yes. uh, hey, let's give a, another plug to our friend Dave Dugdale. Thank you, uh, Dave, for. Uh, joining us here on on Tech Move, and you can find Dave Dugdale at his own website, which is called mm-hmm. LearningVideo.com. It's a great resource for a lot of stuff. He do, does a lot of great reviews, does a lot of great um, uh, tests uh, that uh, real world folks like myself can actually use. So I appreciate his stuff a lot, and I know Keith does as well. Yeah, definitely. So we uh, we thank you very much, uh, Dave, for joining us. And uh, we need to take a break right now because what we'd like to do is we'd like to stop and reset and get you on to our next interview uh, and our next feature uh, with regards to NAB 2016. Uh, so, folks... Uh, let's, we're going to take a break. We're going to come right back. So stay tuned with more NAB 2016 coverage right here on Tech Move. It's Tech Move uh, post NAB 2016. Rod Louie, Keith Moreau with you. And we are coming back with yet another interview uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and another special guest that we have yes. uh, exclusively appearing on Tech Move. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the folks, uh, Keith, from Came TV. Yes. Uh, how did you wrangle them, uh, those guys up? You know, like pretty much all of these people, I just go up to them. I say, do you have time for an interview? I'm Keith Moreau from Tech Move, and we have a podcast, and we want to talk to you about this. And they'll say, well, wait, or yeah, we can do it now, or, you know, various things. So I went up to the Came TV booth. It's actually the very, this is the very first product interview that we did. And uh, went there and said, so blah, blah, blah. And they said, you know, wait a minute, because we're kind of, they have a lot of customers now. But it, I said, that's fine. We can just, we'll just come by and just wait until you're ready, and then we'll do it. So then uh, we brought all our gear over. It's not much gear. It's it's really simple, and that works very well. And we brought it over to their booth, and then uh, this uh, their their rep, that the kind of marketing rep, a uh, really nice guy named David Wong, uh, said, yeah, we can do it now. And I said, and we're... Sometimes we do stuff outside the booth in the in the kind of corridor, you know, walkway. Sometimes that's problematic because people want to get by, you know. Right. And, and then you're blocking people and you're always having people in your shot and stuff. So we kind of choose depending on how busy the area. And they were in a pretty busy area. So I just said, you know, can we just do our interview inside, like behind your table in that space that usually is their space? And right, and and, and, I, and I, I didn't really wait for an answer. I just went back there. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> <laughs> these people are really nice. You know, these these people, they're usually very, very polite, these people. And, and so I just did that and kind of set up enough space and stuff to do it. And it was, it was actually worked really well. And I think it was really good for them because then you had, then there were, there were even more customers and people coming in. They could actually see what we were talking about. So it was pretty cool. It, it was actually cool. Almost all the interviews, we actually had a crowd watching the interview. So that, I think that the, the manufacturers liked that too. So, um, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. I believe Came TV is from China. They are direct from China. So, fact, with the big bad American uh, coming in and bulldozing their way to the back of their uh, counter, yeah. uh, 
poor David really didn't have a shot. Is that correct? He, he did not have a shot. He was <laughs> he was he could not be impolite and kick me out. He right. Was, he had to accommodate. Me. Right. <laughs> you know, he's just very nice because I'm sure he could have done his Shaolin kung fu on you and just like killed you. But uh, they were ready to. There were three. But you know what? Uh, yeah. Tech Move has a lot of cachet, I believe. <laughs> believe we have a lot of cachet it, it worked pretty well it was it was a, it was a fun there were there were nice people yeah it was actually the first time i'd really talked to the came tv tv people directly yeah. i'd emailed them and gotten some you know sporadic answers and things from them over the years but um but i think they liked the fact that i own their products too and then i want to talk about stuff that i owned and new stuff coming out well i'll tell you what keith you know the 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 stuff that we've talked about in prior uh, podcast with regards to the Keem TV stuff and some of the things that we've we're looking at now, uh, you know, going forward is some pretty nice stuff, and they are really uh, they're they're kind of up in the game a little bit here. You know, it's really amazing because they are really innovative when it comes to gimbal stuff. Yeah, I mean, they have other stuff too, but just I think in gimbals they have either have smart engineers or they listen to customers. It's kind of funny because in the interview. I, I said, so so all the new all the new best gimbals have this feature in their motors called encoders. Okay, encoders motor, is, is, motor, is, is, is a feature. It's part of the way the motors are designed. Okay, and and from what I understand, it allows for less power to be used because everything's a little bit finer. So the adjustments are much more micro adjustments. So it doesn't have to do as much. Doesn't have to use as much power to get the same amount of. Uh, adjustment out of the motor that's like a bunch of gobbledygook because i really don't want to know what it does <laughs> but <laughs> right and, this, and, and then so that i actually asked i said i know that encoders are good to david what what actually do are the, what is an encoder what does it do and he said i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and i said well do you think maybe your engineer would know and he said yeah he'd probably know i said get him in here get him in here and i said does he speak english yeah he does so so I um I think I asked him and I don't think he understood what I asked. And then I said, "Okay, so let me just ask you a philosophical question. You know, how do you dream up this stuff? Do you like does it come in a in a dream? Does it come are you just working on it? Does, how are you inspired?" And then he kind of like looked at me. <laughs> and then he looked at David. And David's I don't think he understood. <laughs> so I, I think he said a few things, and it was, but it, they were both really nice people, and everybody there seemed pretty nice. So I, I had a really good feeling about the company, and 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 David spent a lot of time with me with the gimbal and reconfigured it all these different ways. Um, so he talks about the hybrid gimbal, which is really cool. It's basically a pistol grip and a two-handle grip that you can interchange, and it works very well either way. And it has this really interesting continuous inverted mode where you can actually. You have it upright, and then you can just flip the whole thing upside down, and it will actually adjust and go into inverted mode, no problem. Oh, which how means neat. You can, yeah, which could, it's pretty versatile. So you can go from a high shot down to something that's right at ground level, like right skipping the ground. Um, you can't do that with really too many other gimbals, so that's pretty cool. So I really like that hybrid. If, if it was out, I would have bought it, but it's not going to be out for a couple months. And then he um, also talked uh, about the the came TV single, which is what I have. And, uh, so I had him explain things and, and, and do a demo. And so that was really cool. So the whole, it was, a, I thought it was a really great, I think it was my favorite interview out of the whole show. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I think what we, 
like to do is we'd like to get to that interview right now. Mm-hmm. Um, David Wang, is it Wang or I, I can't remember. I think it's David Wong. David Wong. Sorry, yes. David. Yes. Uh, so David Wong from Came TV uh, being interviewed by Keith Moreau uh, of Tech Move uh, right on the floor uh, at NEB 2016. Let's go ahead and run that interview right now on Tech This is Keith Moreau here with Tech Move Podcast, NAB 2016. We're here at the Came TV booth. They are manufacturers of all kinds of great camera support gear. Um, what's of particular interest now are their gimbals. They're very innovative in the gimbal area. I personally actually have a couple Came TV products. I've bought them with my own money. Um, I got the 7500, and I just recently got the, the Came TV single. Uh, which is a pretty innovative uh, handle kind of pistol grip uh, unit that has encoders on it as well, well as other features. Uh, just This is almost for my own uh, education here, but since I'm here, I'm going to have Dave of, of Came TV talk a little bit about some of his products. Hi, everyone. This is David from Came TV. How are you? I'm very good, David. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So tell me about... Tell me about this new gimbal here. Yeah, uh, I'd like to give you a quick overview of our new gimbal, Cam Optimus. Uh, this is our new hybrid system uh, with the 32-bit Alice controller board, all the motors equipped with encoders. And it's the completely tourless design. It's very easy and fast camera mounting. And this time, uh, we designed the, all the three motors is the 360 degrees, no limitation. That means you can rotate the motor whatever you want. And you can protect the wire inside the motor, so it's very safe for customer to use it. And also, this gimbal can do the auto invertible. That means you can just uh, flip it over and be the invertible. Very easy and fast. Uh, some of the, as I know, most of the gimbal, if you want to do the invertible, you need to power off the gimbal. Then you uh, flip it over and be the invertible, then power on again. It's not that easy and convenient, but uh, our gimbal, you don't need to do that. You see, you just flip it back and it's the, be the normal. Yeah. I noticed you have the battery mounted rather than in the grip. Looks like you have it mounted back there. Yes, yes. Also, this is the new, new design for the Cam Optimus. Uh, we designed a battery on the top part of the gimbal. For this way, the, cu- the customer can detach this, uh, this top, top part of the gimbal and mount it on the drum or the crane. This way, can, I think the customer can have more choice for the option to the shooting. Yeah. Um, is, there, is it possible you could show us how that, how that works on the other, either here or on the other handle? Uh, sure, sure. You see, I can, can show you. With the, we still build a joystick here for you to can show you the camera pan and tilt. You see? Tilt. Yeah. And then you can go completely to inverted mode without doing anything. That's right. See? Just this. Just flip it over, then you there you go. Now, what what type of battery is this? Uh, this is the smart battery. Uh, we we made it by ourselves. Yes, and this battery with one forty charge can last uh, ten hours. 
Yeah, and this battery you can take it out for with the charger to charge it and and replace it with the new battery. Um, so how does the battery come off? Uh, you just uh, actually now it's power on. If you want to come out, I just I need to power it off. I just press this button. This way. Now it's power on. Just take it off. It's very easy, you see. If you want to power it on, you just slide it on. Then press this button on. Working again. Yeah. That's excellent. Now, how easy it is for you to take this off this handle and put it onto that handle? Yeah, this is the, actually is the hybrid system. It can be operated by one handle or transferred to two handles. You can just departure this, this connection and mount our two handles and operate it with like two handles. Yeah, it's because some customer they think sometimes they want to use one handle, they can use like this way. But sometimes they want to operate it with two handles, they can just touch it and mount it here. Can you show us how easy or hard that is? Uh, yes, I can show you. Uh, wait a moment. I still need to power off it again. <laughs> wait a moment. I can, I need to detach it. This is a live demonstration of taking the handle off. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. It's a good thing you didn't drop it. Yeah, and you just mount your wrist here. Uh, because this is the, just a prototype, uh, we still... Uh, it's not quite as easy as it will be in the final? Yes. Once we mass production, it will be very easy and fast. But this is just a, a prototype. When you actually buy this unit, when it's actually mass-produced, you will not have to have the KMTV engineering team replace the handle. Uh, but right now, since this is a prototype, he, um, Dave is going to have uh, one of the uh, engineering team to, I guess, remount the handle on this. Okay, so now we've got the other handle attached on here. This is the, the two-handled version, but it's the same gimbal, same electronics, right? But now you have the two-handled on there. Yes, uh, I just... Uh uh, take a top part and mount it here with two handles so customer can work with two handles wait a moment let, let me power it on so this power on and power off sequence is that so that it can kind of readjust to the new handle configuration yes that's right uh, you see now it's already power on and at this moment, uh, you also can use the, this handle to control the gimbal. Oh, so it's actually a remote control wireless. Yes, but uh, not that far, because this is just a prototype. In the future, we will offer you a wireless remote control. For you to control in the distance, I think you can do that for the, um, 20 minutes. Yes for the distance for that long, but this is not that long, it's just a short distance.
Is it Bluetooth? Uh, not Bluetooth. We used uh, we will use the uh, new wireless protocol to do that. Yeah, but uh, uh, at this moment uh, we use the four three three protocol to control the the camera pan and tilt. Yeah, you see, and this one I also can do the inverting mode. Very easy and fast, and you can adjust the. Sure. Like, like I used, uh, also use the joystick to move up. Yeah, like it is. I notice on my gimbals, I can I can kind of reposition them manually. Does that work on this, or do you always have to use that? Uh, I don't. Yes, I also can use the adjust the position just manually. You see, if I want to shoot like this position, I just put it here for hold and maybe three seconds and just let it go. You will stay at this position, yeah. And if I want to get it back, I just put it back and hold it for a while. Then you will stay. This is really excellent. I like this. Now, now, what if I just want to mount this like on a jib or a, a like a pole or something like that? Can this just be taken off completely and mounted onto some other type of system, or does it have to be either this or the handle or the, or the single? Uh, at this moment, only to work with with our handles because the is the special uh, special. Oh, sorry, we won't show that. <laughs> <laughs> That's because this wasn't. Tight. Yes, this wasn't tight. wasn't tight. Because the this is something for the folks out there. Tighten down your grips. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Even the experts, and I've done this so many times myself. Yeah. But this is cool. Okay, so now. But if I wanted to, I could I could unscrew. Uh, we are, uh, in the future, maybe we will make an adapter. Adapter, you can just uh, mount it, mount it here with the connector, and you can just mount it on the tri tripod or, or some some accessories. Yes. I would say that can this. Okay, so, so this part here, can this and this be removed easily, and then you could just mount uh, this. Yes, yes, it's very easy to remove this. You just. You just uh, screw it and take it out. Very easy. Okay, so now I can envision taking these off and just mounting it on this no, part on the tripod. Yes, you also can mount it on the tripod, sure. Wow, that's excellent. So, now the big question is, is this vaporware or is this really going to be coming out soon? Uh, this is just the prototype, and it will be available one month, one and a half months, yeah. And uh, we will make it sooner if we possible. <laughs> okay, are you going to be at Cinegear in LA? Uh, yeah, yeah, we will be there this time, yeah. Okay, so we're going there. So okay. we're going to re-interview about this particular product, and maybe it'll be out by then. Okay, okay. And, th and then maybe you'll have a price on it, too. Yes, yes. I think this this gimbal, the price will be available one week later. Yes, yes. So you can check our website ken-tv.com, or you can follow us on on Facebook, on or Twitter. We will post uh, new information in our social media. Yeah. So, so David, um, can you show me a little bit about the Kame TV single? Sure. Yeah. Wait a moment. I just grab it here. 
this is our camp single. This gimbal with the 32 bit ISMO controller ball. All the motors equipped with encoders. Uh, wait a moment, let me power it on and show you how it works. You see? Now it's working. This gimbal is already setting for a while, and there are many customers they like it because it's the completely to this design. And also with the, the encoders, which makes the performance very uh, smooth. And also along with increasing the, the lifespan of the battery, this, uh, this, this model, the battery with one uh, fully charged can run 20 hours. Yeah. And also, uh, this Kim single have the three different uh, profiles. It's already pro pre-programmed inside, so customers they don't need to tune the gimbal. Once they got it, they just uh, out of box and ready to go. Very easy and convenient for for customers to use it, if, especially for the beginners. Yeah. So, I actually have this unit. Although, to be honest with you, I haven't actually used it. I've, mm -hmm. I've put it together, I put the handle on, I kind of powered it on without the camera, yeah. um, just to see if it worked, and then, but I haven't done anything with it really. you have any hints about my first uses with this particular gimbal? Uh, this, uh, mm, any advice? <laughs> First, uh, I li I I I'd like to say because this this gimbal is de designed for a very uh, mm, special concept. We want to make it the customer to use it very mm, easy and simple. They don't need to have the too much the the knowledge about the gimbals. They just uh, check the our menu. They totally can do it by themselves. And and even with the the camera balance is the totally tourist design. It's very easy. You just lose these kind of uh, screws. You don't need to use the tool. And the very with the quick release, quick release plate, you just uh, uh, mount the camera very easy and fast. So I think for the beginners, they are very um, can convenient to use it. That's great. So. I have this. I actually have this very camera, and so and I don't. I don't have this lens, but I have some different lenses. Will I have to readjust anything if I put different lenses on that have different weights and lengths? Uh, yes, the kind of like that. If you just uh, um, adjust the lens, if the lens is the forward, you need to just uh, uh, loose these screws to move to move the camera a little backward to make it balanced. Actually, it's pretty fast when you do that. Okay, that's good. And it doesn't need to have any computer programming changes or firmware updates or whatever, the PID thing, I think it's called, where you no, connect you it? you don't need to do that because also we don't suggest the customer to do that because the PID is a bit complicated. So uh, we don't, because we it's already uh, pre-programmed, so customer, they don't need to do that. It's just out of box and ready to go. That's great. Now, on the on the other gimbal you just showed us, the one that's not quite out yet, you showed us the inverted mode and things like that. Does that exist on this particular gimbal? Uh, this one can cannot do that because this one they have uh, some hot stop to protect the wire inside. Yeah. Does it? If I turn it off and then I turn it over or upside down, is there any way to to do it? Uh, no, because there's the hot stop 
to prevent this gimbal to do the inverted mode. Okay. So if you want to do the low shoot, you can just uh, uh, change the mode to mode three. One, two, three. And you just can hold it very low and do the shooting, like this way. Okay, that works. Yes, that, that would be can like the inverted mode. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Um, I can't wait to try my uh, my single that I kind of have in the box. I actually opened the box, but that's about it. Um, yeah, it looks really easy to use. And the one, one of the reasons I got this was because I because of the encoder motors. Can you talk a little bit about encoders and what that actually means in gimbals? Uh, encoders is the is the advanced system. It works with with the models. It makes the models the uh, prevent the models skipping the the position. Also, encoders it can make the gimbal works much more smooth and accurate with the position. So, and uh, one of the benefits of the encoders it can increasing the lifespan of the battery. So this this one with 140 charge can last 20 hours, and the other gimbals if you don't with the encoders, I think most of their life lifespan of the batteries about uh, one or two hours, that's the max. But this one with encoders, the battery can last 20 hours. Yeah. So do you, I don't know how technical you are, but can you tell me what encoders really means? Mm. <laughs> I don't know what it, I just know it means I, encoders is good, but I don't really know what it means. Encoders usually use the uh, robot robotic to control the uh, actually this concept. Uh, I'm not very familiar, but it's very professional the the concept. So I don't know how to explain to you. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, we'll look it up on Wikipedia, what encoders are later. <laughs> but we just know that this has it, and your newer gimbals have it, right? And so pretty much anything with encoders is better. It's always better with encoders, no matter what. It's always better. Yes. Yeah. Now, all this moment, now at this moment, all of our gimbal is equipped with encoders. Yeah, so all the series, we have the gimbal from the bigger one to small one, cover all kind of a range of the, the cameras, like the action camera, GoPro or smartphone, or mirrorless camera, like the GH4 or A7S, or DSR camera, like the Canon 7D or 5D Mark III, or the, or the Red Epic and the BMCC. We also have our new gimbal, Cam Prodigy, can work a large system, large camera, yeah. So one of the cameras that I have is actually an FS5. Yeah. It's a little bit longer. Is it, is it even possible to think about putting that on here? Uh, this gimbal is designed for mirrorless camera, like the A7S or GH4. Uh, so if you want to work with the larger camera, I suggest you use our another uh, gimbal system. Maybe come with uh, come, um, Camargo. Yeah, that will be better and more stable. Because this is for the small camera. A little bit smaller, a little bit shorter in length this way. Mm -hmm. If it gets too long, it's going to hit the back. Um, or it's just going to be too heavy. Yes, that's the, this the uh, pistol grip gimbal design for. It's the small and easy and uh, very convenient for you to carry out. Maybe you can just uh, uh, put it in a backpack and go out for shooting. Yeah, very easy and convenient.
Well, that's great, Dave. I really appreciate your time here. You've been really helpful. You've taken a lot of time with us. And I really, I think you're one of the most innovative gimbal companies out there. Um, you know, when you first came out with the 7500, I mean, basically, the original gimbals, you had to kind of put together yourself. <laughs> you got a bunch of parts and you <laughs> put them together. But then they soon started building their own fully assembled units. Um, and I think that's when you first started really shining because then people could just buy your stuff. They didn't have to solder. They didn't have to plug things in. And now you're coming up with these amazingly machined professional units with tools design. It's, it's really great. I'm, I'm really happy for your company. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I've decided to totally monopolize the people here at Came TV. And I, and I asked Dave, who was really polite and really, really helpful with us, about who invents the stuff. And uh, he said, well, that guy does. And so we have Frank. We have Frank here, and Frank is one of the inventors here at Came TV. Hi, Frank. Hi. Hello. So, Frank, what's your latest invention? Uh, sorry. What is your latest invention? Uh, I'm the CEO of this company. Okay, that's great. Can you can you ask him what his latest? So, you sell new products, right? Invention. Uh, new products. Yeah. Uh, our new products is uh, our new kind of optimus and uh, new kind prodigy. These two new model gimbal, and uh, we also this time bring the uh, take uh, bring the crane, uh, extension crane. Yeah. So, so Frank, when you invent something, how does it come to you? Does it come to you in a dream, or does it come to you from studying all the? The other products out there, your competitors, or how do how do you come up with these new products? So, yeah, uh, maybe I I speak for him. Yeah, we come in this products. We listen to the customer. Yes, the customer give us the suggestion. They they what what they want, and they give us the uh, idea. They so we just make their idea and produce this kind of products. Yeah. So you you basically based on customer feedback. That's right. Yeah. That's great. I think that's what customers want, so we produce for them. Yeah. So any ideas if the customer they can offer us, then we will the contact with our uh, technician and they uh, check the, the idea and we are make it uh, the device like this and offer to the customer. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. So. What do you? How do you design these things? You do it on a computer, or do you do it with drawings? Uh, our company have the engineer, like engineer, can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Well, another thing I'm really impressed with, and it shows how great and lightweight this product. Dave has been holding this gimbal for like ten minutes. <laughs> so he's he's really either really strong, <laughs> or this gimbal is. <laughs> or this gimbal is actually a really great portable device. So, um, anyway, we've monopolized enough of Came TV's time. We're going to sign off now. I'm Keith Moreau with Tech Move Podcast. Thank you. That's David from Came TV and Keith Moreau. Keith, thanks for uh, for doing that one again. Uh, it really sounds like some fantastic products are coming out of uh, that crew over in Keem TV. 
Um, I really, really dig the single. I really dig that. I think it's. I. I, I think it's really neat. Uh, I know you have one. Yes. Have you have you tried it yet? Is it is it uh, you know have you used it in application yet? Actually, I just drove back from Santa Rosa where I used it for the first time in a professional application. Oh, so, so we have an exclusive now. Right after, uh, <laughs> so tell me this: after you talked to David, mm-hmm. did it inspire you to say, "Hey, you know, now's my shot"? Uh, kind of. He actually gave me some hints. In, in the interview and and think even after we would talk for a second and yeah he, he gave me some warnings about what to do and what not to do and how to use it in the lower mode and and things like that one of the limitations is that it you really can't take the thing and turn it all the way upside down it just has these hard stops on it which is kind of good in a way right so um and i think they did it on purpose because i think a lot of people were winding up the little wires that go into the servos. Yes. Because the ones that just can spin, you can actually twist the wires apart and kind of break them off. Because um, they're all just... Every every motor has a, a few wires leading to it that mm-hmm. go to this controller. And those those go through a little tube and you can spin... You can keep spinning, spinning, spinning that axis around and eventually the wires will twist off and break. So I think what they did was to keep idiots from doing that <laughs> like like me i think i've probably almost done that a few times yes uh they they made these stops so it can only go a certain like like once it goes about beyond a certain point it just kind of stops hard stop right so anyway he said yeah you can't do that but you can do this this you can kind of get a low mode similar by just pointing it forward like having the handle and just kind of leaning it like it instead of st- straight up mm-hmm. uh have it parallel to the ground that's almost the same thing um anyway just my report, my review on the on this uh, single. Awesome. <laughs> really? Awesome. Really? It is so easy to set up because uh, it's toolless. So it's just a, a little bit of sliding and stuff. And uh, like I just put this uh, A7S or A7R2, uh, A7S2 on it with this, uh, I think, 10 to, I think it's a 10 to 16 lens. It's the common Sony lens. And had it balanced in about a minute. Really? Uh, yeah. Had it balanced about a minute and uh, turned it on. And it's just, it's like so sputtery. It's like you don't even know it's on. Like there's no vibration or anything. Oh. It's just really still. Mm-hmm. But but it's obviously working because you're moving around It's and it's working. And, and, and so I really, I actually just really mounted the camera yesterday for the first time to it. And today I was professionally shooting with it like a lot. So, yeah, it worked really well. The only thing that it was a little, I guess, a slight inconvenience was it doesn't really, when you're when you're taking it apart and trying to pack it, it doesn't really go flat because of the stops. Mm-hmm. So the it doesn't quite turn all the way so that you can flatten it out. Um, so it's a, kind of like a little bit of a 45-degree sticking up. So it takes a little bit of space more, a little more space than, than it could if it didn't have these stops in it. Um, but the fact that the handle comes off really easily and quickly is it, it makes it pretty portable still so yeah so i loved it i didn't seem too big to me i kind of like the solidity of it mm-hmm. and and it didn't seem that unergonomic though it's the main complaint i've heard from other reviewers is it's the handle is really hurts your hand it looks beefy yeah but i didn't i didn't feel like it was hurting my hand i felt like it felt good because uh-huh. I mean, my hands are bigger or something right so anyway so i i i, I love it i actually almost wish They'd come out with the 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 um the hybrid, 
you know, I would probably bought that instead of this mm-hmm. because that one has some other features like a removable battery and the fact that you can convert it really easily and mount it to a uh, try um, some other kind of device, you know, like a jib or something pretty mm-hmm. easily. But mm-hmm. it's what I, I'm really happy with the single. So that's my. How, how did it compare to other gimbals that you've had? Well, I've had I've only had really three. I've had the initial 7500, which is the two handled one, which I hardly ever used mm-hmm. and I don't use it now. And then I have the Nebula, right? And then, and then I have this one. Um, I'd say it's a bit, it's a little bit smoother than the Nebula. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly bigger and heavier. Um, it seems, it just seems a little bit smoother than than my my impression of it. It's a little bit smoother than the Nebula. They I guess probably with every function. generation, there's going to be improvements, no matter what. Probably the next Nebula, the you know the next Nebula five thousand will probably be better too. It, Exactly. It seems like gimbal technology is just getting better and better and better and cheaper and cheaper. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. You know, I, I it's just taken the world by storm. Yeah. You know, so much easier than using a steady cam. so sure. much more portable and, you know, it. And non-intrusive and all this whole thing when you're especially out on jobs and stuff like that. I feel so like, much better. I feel like it is. I feel like I was using it today in a really kind of quiet small environment and it was almost like like i was using it instead of a tripod yeah i was using it instead of of setting up a bunch of gear right. i just had this thing and, and i was doing these really amazing flowing shots that i could never have done any other way right and uh yeah and it worked it worked well so i'm awesome. happy with it yeah Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, let's give those fine folks at Came TV a little plug here. Came mm-hmm. TV, you spell that C A M E dash TV.com is the website that they have. Mm-hmm. You can see all their great products that they have there, including uh, the Came, uh, what, what were we just talking about? The Came Single, sorry. Yeah, the Came uh, Single. They just have so much stuff. I mean, I'm on their website right now. There's just like lists and lists of great products. Yeah, it's uh, a pretty huge amount of products they have. I think they've been around for a little while. Yeah, and, and they just got kind of famous on the gimbals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a great space to be in. I mean, it's 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 uh, really changing the way things are are being done. So it's great. So mm-hmm. again, came TV came dash TV dot com. Uh, thank you very much for appearing uh, on Tech Move. We greatly appreciate it, and um, let us uh, pause and reset, and we're going to get you ready for our next special guest uh, as we continue our coverage of NAB 2016. All that with Tech News, and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. Again, we have returned. It is Rod Louie along with Keith Moreau. It is Tech Move doing our recap of the NAB 2016 show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith, uh, our next special guest that we have, um, what's his name? Dave Piazza? Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, Dave Piazza. Uh, he is representing a very, very uh, nice company and specifically some very nice products uh he's working for the company uh called westcott lighting and uh westcott lighting uh does a lot of stuff for of course uh photography and filmmaking and i think keith you uh actually have a a a couple of their products is that correct yeah i've actually been really excited about their flex lights for like a year 
uh, since I think another, I'm, I'm not quite sure if Westcott actually makes these lights or if they repackage them from another company. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's another company called Aladdin that seems like they have the same kind of light. But anyway, I don't think Aladdin's from the U.S., so maybe Westcott is their American division or something. Or at least they buy them from this other company to remarket them. Or maybe they produce them themselves or license them. Anyway, but I've been really excited about these flexible lights. They're basically just like pieces of thick fabric with LEDs embedded on them. Um, And because of that, they're really light, super portable, uh, and they're really bright. And the light quality is excellent. It's actually very high-quality light. And they're... They're 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 kind of like flat. They're like one by one. At least the ones I have are like one by one LEDs. But instead of being you know a thick box of an inch to three inches thick, they're literally like an eighth of an inch thick. <laughs> so that's um, really great. Yeah, I mean I'm looking at them. They just look like felt pads, really. Yeah. With, with with lights on them. Yeah, pretty much. And then they've got a little electrical connector in the back, and then you just plug all the power supplies and stuff to them which don't, don't take up too much space either. Mm-hmm. So so I love them. I, since I have them, I wanted to talk to this guy. This guy had a really nice personality and really funny guy. So we just talked for a while about these lights. He showed me the 2x2. The two two. Um, now, the two by, they're all great lights. I personally, for me, uh, I think the larger lights aren't that practical because need, you need to f- transport them, and they just take up more space, and they're really expensive, or a lot more expensive than the one by ones But... Um, but if you need that large size of light, they're pretty much unbeatable, you know, for for what they offer brightness wise, etc. So uh, yeah, so I just talked to him. He demonstrated them. He he turns them up all the way at the end and blinds us, and it's, it was a fun interview. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> well, let's give that a listen right now, okay? Uh, Dave Piazza representing Westcott Lighting, uh, and our own Keith Moreau. Uh, And all this you're going to hear exclusively right here on Tech News. Hi, this is Keith Moreau with Tech Move Podcast, NAB 2016. We're here with Dave Piazza of Westcott uh, Lighting. And Dave is going to show us some of the flex lights. Now, I actually talked with Dave a couple days ago. Uh, I actually own a few flex lights. Good for you. Thank you very much for your support. I appreciate that. The flex light lights, in my opinion, are amazing. They're so light. I can put four of the one buys in my little uh, camera bag, right. <laughs> and I can just bring them to a shoot. And, ha- and uh, I had them on a shoot the other day, and they're saying, "What are those things? They're just these hanging pieces of fabric. What's going on with this light? I've never seen that before." <laughs> it's great. We've been getting a lot of attention from the flex light, and what we really did was we took a high quality LED chip. Very good color quality, high CRI of 96 for the daylight, 98 for our tungsten models. We have a bicolor and a daylight. And the um, besides it being very high quality light, it's a flexible panel that's water resistant. So you can put these lights in places you could never imagine you can put a light. Uh, we make them from 10 inch and 10 by 3 inch, 1 by 1 foot, 1 by 2 foot, 1 by 3 foot, and 2 by 2. Two by two foot puts out a tremendous amount of light. It's like a little bit more light than a 2.5K tungsten. So I've got a two, by, a two by two right over here. It's designed to either be used by itself, like you may have. You may clamp it. You can tape it. It's got Velcro on both sides, so you, you can Velcro it to things, too. We also have this scrim gym frame, which is designed to hold the, the uh, light with a diffusion panel in front. 
Here you can see I can Velcro it right off. This is a 2x2 two two daylight panel. Right now this is at 12% power, so this is pretty low. And you can see it is flexible. I can move it, roll it, so you can make a china ball pretty easily. You can put it around a corner. You can make it narrow if you'd like, like this. So you can really shape the light the way you want from a couple degrees to 360 degrees. And it's really tough. I'm not a small guy, and I can step on this guy. You may not see the picture. If you can see it, I am stepping right on it. No problem at all. So the Flex is um, shipping now. Uh, we make bicolor and daylight in 10 by 3 inch, 1 by 1, and 1 by 2. In the 1x3 and 2x2, it's only daylight right now. We have a battery option for the 10x3 inch and 1x1. The battery will run the 1x1 at full power for almost three hours. We're working on batteries for the bigger ones. We're working on bicolor for the bigger ones. But that's the Flux. It's a great product that um, has gotten a lot of attention here at NAB. That's excellent. Uh, I actually have the 1x1, one one, so I'm personally interested in the the battery option, which I don't have yet. Tell me about that. The battery option, it's a, it's a battery that uh, is 154 watt hours. And that means that you can carry it on a plane. Um, it's got a D-tap connection. It's a lithium ion D-tap. So you can connect the battery to other devices that use a D-tap. Or you can have other batteries that have a D-tap to our light. When you have our one-by-one one, um, uh, flux attached to the battery... And if you're at full power, you get almost three hours. The 10 by 3 inch, you'll get about 10 hours. The battery's, you know, not huge, but it's not small. It's, that's the way lithium-ion is. Um, it's, it's a great addition to our line, which makes the Flex completely and utterly portable. In combination with its uh, water resistance, if you're out in a chute on location and it starts raining, no problem. You get rain on the front of it piece of cake. You just dry it off. Um, impervious to dirt and dust. So the best way we can describe its, its um, capability is that if you're out and it rains, you're fine. If you drop it in the mud, you get a hose, a garden hose, and hose it off, you're fine. What about the electrical connectors on the back? The electrical connection is waterproof. The connection between the dongle and the cable that goes in the dimmer is waterproof. So the only thing you have to keep out of the water um, is the dimmer. You can sometimes maybe put that in your pocket. Uh, the battery, you would want not get wet either. You can just put a plastic bag over it. But the light itself, the front of it, is, is um, uh, resistant to water. You can get a little bit of water on the back. Um, the cables coming out of it are all waterproof. A little bit of care, you can, you can work in just about any condition. Well, this is really excellent. I'm, I'm really excited about using my, my Flex lights. I've used them maybe five times so far, and they've, they've been amazing. We had a shoot, actually went to New York, and we just taped. There wasn't a lot of room, so we just taped one of your Flex lights with some duct tape yeah. to a TV. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's actually a very uh, common use for it, is that when you shoot some, a video of someone in front of a computer screen, the light out of there is not correct to light their face. And typically, it's very difficult to have a light that will fit on the computer screen to light someone's face. With the flex, you just 
tape it right on there and you've got a light source that's completely dimmable. So, in fact, she's shooting here with an iPad. If you want, want, walked around with one of my Fluxes, the Flux is about the same size as that. Probably a lighter. I think my Flux weighs about five ounces. It's, it's basically weightless. I mean, I had four of them on my bag, and then I didn't even know it was there. You there. didn't even know it. You can travel very easily with it. In fact, we have a one-by-one a -one kit that has an X bracket. It's a bracket that's got a clamp on it, and also allows you to put it on a light stand. And it's got a diffusion panel on the front. If you've got two of these with the dimmer, the AC adapter, the brackets, everything you need, you're at about six and a half pounds, and you can put it in a shoulder bag. You can put it in a briefcase. Certainly carry it on a plane. Piece of cake. <laughs> well, amazing. I, I think these flex lights are just a revolution in lighting for me personally, for, especially for traveling. Uh, the amount of light they put out, the quality of the light, the even the even the they're almost kind of diffused on their own somehow anyway. They, they are, and it has to do with the size of the chip, I believe. Um, the diffusion that we suggest you put on it is about an inch away from it. On that X bracket kit I told you about, it's a quarter-stop diffusion. That's all it is. On the scrimgym frame, it's a full-stop diffusion panel. But then we also offer quarter-stop and half-stop uh, diffusion panels so you can actually vary the amount of diffusion that you want when you've got it on the scrimgym frame when you're using it. So I have used it without any diffusion at all, and it's not this glaring light. It's relatively smooth and gives you relatively soft shadows. The closer you put it to someone, of course, it's going to be a little bit softer. The further away you bring a light, it's going to get a little bit harsher. That's just lighting in general. Um, we also have some people that since it's so light, they can um, attach it inside of a bag or a softbox. So the possibilities in bringing it into your workflow, a lot of times you can use the same kind of light modifiers you're used to with possibly a hot lamp you've used in the past without any of the issues with that. Um, the big issues with hot lamps, of course, are power usage and heat. These don't have any heat, and they don't use very much power at all. Our one by one actually consumes 55 watts, and it puts out more light than a 1K tungsten, or approximately the same as a 1K tungsten. So you got a, you got a, a lot of bang for the buck in power. You don't have to worry about blowing fuses if you go inside of a location that is not set up to do this kind of thing, someone's home, reality TV, an office, plug it in, you can plug in three, four lights and you're, you're virtually using a couple light bulbs worth of power. That's amazing. Okay, so now we're going to do the, the, the final demonstration of how powerful this light is. We're going to have Dave turn this light up. Okay, I'm going to do it. You're ready? You can follow me. You can do it on my face. We're at 12 percent. I'm going to go up to 100. There. there we go. I can light you pretty good. <laughs> and the walls. It's a very bright light. You don't want to really look into it. It's kind of like looking into the sun, man. Where are my sunglasses? <laughs> anyway, that was great. Thanks so much, Dave. You've been excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. I'm Keith Moreau with TechMove NEB 2016. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that uh, great interview, Keith. Uh, yeah. That was with, again, Westcott Lighting, mm -hmm. uh, demonstrating and talking about some of the products that they've got, some new things that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, Keith, maybe some of your uh, observations? Well, it was great to see 
you know, the, the bigger lights in actual action. Cause I, I, I did order a, a one by two, but this was actually a two by two that he was demonstrating oh. and it's really bright when, when you turn it up, it's all, it's, it's bright. It's like blinding. You can't, you can certainly can't look at it. I think it's like, I think he says equivalent of 2k or 4k of lighting, you know, 4,000 watts or something. If, if it was a tungsten bulb, it's amazing. Wow. Amount of light. So in this little piece of fabric. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end he turned it up and kind of blinded all this. It's kind of funny. So, so. What, but, but the ones that you have are because of their size don't get that bright. Is that correct? They actually do get as bright if you have four of them. They're basically one of these that he showed is equal to four of mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So if right. I put four of mine together, which I can, yeah. they've got a little Velcro on them and I can put them together. If I needed that big of a surface, mm. I could do that and I mm. could get something as bright. Um, so yeah, I could do that. Um, I don't ever really need to do that because I usually just pump a couple, I gang a couple together and then pump it through some diffusion and it's plenty bright enough, you know. So mm. I'm guessing for your style of shooting, uh, th- these bigger panels probably wouldn't uh, be great for you. You you like these smaller ones. You can piece them together. You can put them uh, in in the various sizes and locations that you want. It's a little bit easier to handle. I think so. I think the only disadvantage in the small ganging the smaller ones together is that it's not. There'll be little spaces in between the sets of lights. Right. You know, like they'll be maybe a couple inches apart. Right. And in a, in this, it's one continuous field of light. Um, that may or may not really make a difference if you're using diffusion. If you're just using it with with no diffusion or or the diffusion is right in front of it, mm-hmm. then then yeah, that would make a difference. It would make it. You might see a little lowering of light and a kind of a banding where the divisions were. Right. But but I personally haven't really experienced that. I so. mean, you know, looking at their panels, they they do go. I would imagine pretty much as close to edge to edge as you really could. Yeah, they're well. The older, so like my model and the one by ones don't really go edge to edge. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's a kind of a on the new, very newest models of the one by ones. There's a strip of Velcro on the front edge, like a one inch wide strip. So the actual LEDs get are, are just about an inch from the edge in, in all cases, and that's because they designed it to be that way so that they could put Velcro on the frames and just kind of stick them onto the frames. So there is a little bit, bit of a gap, like about an inch, maybe a little bit less on the edge. Okay. So that's kind of how they are. So, But for me, I'm, I've used it, when I use it with diffusion, it doesn't really matter. I've, yeah. I've ganged a couple together, and the spacing that's between them doesn't matter. So for Correct. me, the bigger the bigger ones aren't that portable, so I would prefer the little ones. But yeah. I think I think if I had a production company and needed big lights and didn't, didn't want to spend time ganging them together, then yeah, I'd, I'd get the big lights. It's a great product, I'll tell you yeah. that much. I mean, it's yeah, it's, I it's, it. it's 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 really nice, you know, you know better than having those big cans you got to haul all over the place. Oh yeah, and they they're really durable too. That's what I found. They've been out a couple of years now, maybe a year and a half, and and they're they're actually quite durable. Um he was even stepping on them to show how durable they are. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, and they're waterproof. So you can actually run water over the front of them. Wow. So they can exist in damp conditions because um uh, the fronts are completely waterproof. I guess you have to be a little careful of getting the the connector in the back wet. Right. Um, although the connector, he's at the connector in the back's waterproof, and it's waterproof all the way up to the actual power supply. So yeah, pretty so, neat. Yeah, no, I, I I I really like it. I think it's very versatile and and uh, 
And uh, I mean, just from from what I hear, the, the the amount of light that puts out and what I've seen so far, it looks really, really great. So that's mm-hmm. a that's a nice thing. All right, yeah. let's give them another plug. Uh, you can find uh, these products along with other lighting products at their website, which is uh, fjwestcott.com. And you spell that F is in Frank, J is in Jerry, Westcott with two T's at the end, okay? So it's fjwestcott.com. And uh, look for their lighting. It's pretty nice. It's pretty neat stuff. They got lighting. They got modifiers. They got controllers. They got backdrops. All kinds of neat stuff. So, uh, you know, a lot of neat stuff to be learned there. So uh, thank you very much, Keith. Uh, We appreciate that. Uh, We are going to roll you in to yet another special guest that we have uh, on our continuous coverage of NAB 2016. Uh, right here on Tech Move. Tech Move podcast reporting to you from the NAB 2016 show. Keith, uh, you had a chance to speak with some folks uh, over at the Hoodman booth. Uh, just by the name, I'm going to guess the, the uh, they, they do like EVFs or something like that. <laughs> Might you they? know what, you know what they really do is their their claim to fame is basically shielding your your screen from the sun. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, nice. That's kind of what. Yeah, that's kind of how they started. They I think they branched on all kinds of different little products. Okay. That are somewhat, they're they're less expensive things. Uh, you know, I think their most. I think I probably bought their most expensive thing that they sell. <laughs> but um, I'll tell you about that afterwards. Sure. But uh, uh, but. I've actually, I think I've actually bought, I think one of my first Hoodman products, I probably bought like 15 years ago or something, um, you know, to shield the little, uh, the little flip out LCDs on your, right. on your little camcorders. Yeah. Kind, kind of like the loop I was thinking of buying for my GH1 and stuff. Yeah. They sell loops now. Um, the so simplest thing is. Wait a minute. Is, I have a question. So what's the difference yeah. between like a Hoodman, which is kind of like a light shield uh-huh. versus like a loop thing, which is kind of like a EVF thing? Because don't, don't they kind of do the same things except mm. for the Hoodman just protects you from the sun, right? Well, the, the Hoodman, well, the loop will, yeah, the, the loop will definitely do the same thing. It'll shield your, your EVF or your uh, LCD from the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but the, the loop will, will will magnify it too. So you can put your eye up against it and mm-hmm. see it in focus. Mm-hmm. The the Just the regular Hoodman that's just kind of a sun shield. Right, rather you're, than you're, cupping your hand over the, yes. the, the eyepiece and stuff like that, you have this nice thing to... Yeah, and it just sticks out a few inches, yeah. maybe two to three inches, and it just keeps the keeps the sun from washing out the the LCD screen. Okay. Yeah. And that's pretty much, there's a lot of products like that. They just, I think they do sell loops. In fact, I think I have a couple of their loops. Mm. I think I have a whole drawer of Hoodman products I've collected over the years that, you know, where, where the, the camcorders, maybe I don't use them anymore, but I still have a drawer for the loops. And, uh, they said so they're pretty useful. They came out with some like memory card adapters a while back and they have a whole variety of products really now. It's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool company. It's actually a family company. It's three brothers that run the company. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, cool. so, um, yeah. So Bob was one of the brothers, <clears throat> and he's a really nice guy. He's their their marketing or salesperson. 
So um, he's a really funny guy, had a great sense of humor. We actually became kind of friendly um, throughout. Uh, we, we came initially to talk to him before the interview, hit it off, and then we came back for the actual interview, I think the next day. And uh, and we talked specifically about a product that I was very interested in and wound up buying. And I'll talk about that after the interview is done. Fantastic. Well, this is Bob Schmidt uh, of Hoodman uh, USA. And uh, let's, uh, let's listen to this interview and we'll come back with more comments uh, right here on Tech News. This is Keith Moreau with TechMove here at NEB 2016. We are here at the Hoodman booth with Bob Schmidt, and he's going to tell us all about the great Hoodman products. But before he starts, I want to say that I probably bought my first Hoodman product like 20 years ago. Uh, and I've been buying, in fact, yesterday I bought some more Hoodman products directly from Bob. And he, Bob is actually going to talk specifically about some of the drone products they've been coming out with. And take it away, Bob. Perfect. Six months ago, we were approached by a lot of drone users asking for hood solutions for their displays. So they can't see them outside. We decided, hey, we need to address this. Let's come up with a line of solutions. So it pretty much goes through all the displays of iPad minis, iPad pros, iPad phone or iPhones, as well as some of the other devices that have the, the, the other, the other um, sorry. <laughs> Form factors, there you go. It's been day three of the show. I'm like, oh my gosh. But the qu the bottom line is we cover all the displays on the market. I shouldn't say all because there's probably a few out there that maybe we don't, but we pretty much cover it. We have a compatibility list on it. But what we're doing is taking the actual iPad mini in this case and giving you a viewable hood that allows you to not only interact with the screen through this little port, but you can also look in and see it out in bright sunlight. And that's really where you want to see it because obviously you're flying outside and that's where you want to be able to be able to see your screen. So we've also come across iPhones. In this case, this is on a 3DR with an iPhone. Once again, another solution, same type of hood and all these hoods split in half. So what's nice about that is the split creates a secondary hood where maybe you don't need the full hood. You want to be able to look and see what's happening, and I'm not left-handed, but that's okay. So, you see what happens there. So, you have the ability to split the hood in half and be able to see and use it. But the bottom line is, is the display needs to be shaded. We're here to do it, and that's what you see across the line here. So, any display we cover, and that's what's going to give you the performance that you need outside. So That's great. One of the things that I've actually experienced um, is that it's really hard to see an iPad outside in the sun, especially when the sun's hitting the display. So something like this is very, very, very useful for me. I mean, it, it's it, 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 the displays now are such with tablets, iPads, what have you. Physics haven't changed in the last 30 years that we've been doing this, and we kind of look at each other every time we develop a new product. It's basically the same principle over and over and over again, but really, to do it and do it well is where we're trying to achieve, and that's kind of where we're at. But yeah, displays are really, wow. I mean, they're everywhere now. So, and especially in this application, you really need to see what's going on. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you can get some specialty displays like 
some of the high brightness, high nits of some of like the small HD and some of those really high brightness monitors. But these DJI drones and other drones, they don't use those monitors. They actually use iPads and Android devices. And those displays just aren't that bright. Exactly. I mean, the intensity of the screens and it really, even if it, the most intense screen that in, in this room, they tell you, you're still really nothing's brighter than the sun. That's what I usually say. But it's, you know, it's really a basic principle and that's all it is. So we provide that and now we're applying it to yet another part of the business that we're immersed in. As you can see, we have other products that we're going to talk about in a minute anyway. So yeah, cool. Actually, one of the things that I also was interested in was the, uh, you have some type of holder, waistband, stand drone system. Drone belt. Drone belt. Yes. A product that came about, everyone has a controller that they're using on a drone, right? So with that controller, they usually have shoulder or neck support devices, but that really drags down and pulls your whole upper body down, and it really doesn't give your arms a rest. So we decided to kind of, should we move over, or how do you want to, okay. So what we did is, and this unit here was the drone belt, which brings the center of gravity way low on your body around your hips and waist. So that way it's kind of like a steady cam. You're gonna get more support and it's not up in your upper body and it's not on your arms or your fingers or your hands. So you can sit and make moves all day long with your controller and your thumbs and fingers and not fatigue your hand and start losing functionality with your fingers and you know, subtle movements. And the weight of it's such that I can quickly and easily take it off its mount. So it's mounted with a base plate that gives you quick and easy on-off. It goes on all the controllers, pretty much product-specific, meaning we make a DJI controller mount, we have a 3DR mounts, and so on and so forth. But once that's going on and collecting back, you can lock it back in place, and that's what's nice about it, too. You can take the rig and get out of it, and get out of it and move on and just keep moving along. So that's nice. That's great. Well, now that I think about it, Okay, this is all awesome stuff. I can't wait to use it. I, I, I tried to pack uh, the stuff I bought yesterday into my existing luggage, and uh, I had to, you know, throw away some clothing and stuff to get in my suitcase. But, but that's okay. It's worth it's it's worth, it's, it's, worth it's worth it. And uh, <laughs> no, we we managed to make it fit. Um, actually, one of the things I I just remembered I got from you was the um, the A7 eyepiece. Oh, right. Yeah. Sony A7 series, as you know, wildly popular. There's six models now, and we've been working on an iCup. We've been making iCups for seven years for Canon and Nikon. Sony came along, and it just became such a steamroller of popularity. We said, we got to make one for it. We have it now. It's basically the same form factor. Whoops. Same form factor as every other ones, but the mount, it doesn't fall off. It goes on. It snaps in place. It gives you a nice iCup feel to it. And it's something that I, let me just hang on. Bob is getting the eye cup. Please stand by. I don't know if that was cool. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's <laughs> I just great. Wanted to show the so they knew what we were talking about. So the hood eye. It's a, once again these are very popular. It comes in a, a normal size and a glasses size, which is a little bit bigger, so people with glasses. But the mount is brilliant, especially with an EVF, because you really need to have a seal around your eye because any light contamination 
it throws off because it's it's just the nature of it. It's an EVF. It's not an actual viewfinder. I mean, it's totally different. So yeah, twenty bucks. They're shipping now. They're all around the country and around the world. So yeah, we're very excited about that. I have two in a box at home that I've yet to open, but I will be opening it when I get back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great piece. It really is, and I think it enhances. And once again, they don't fall off. I shouldn't say that because somebody's going to somebody's going to call me up and say, "Hey, mine fell off." Okay, so I have a hint for you. Yeah. If you listen to my podcast, it's kind of a DIY segment. Um, one of the things uh, that happens with the A7s is that they're kind of sensitive. The auto shut off that turns from the LCD to the eyepiece yes. is is kind of sensitive, and you can't really get it that close to your body. So it's just too sensitive. So actually, what I did was I put a little bit of these things called light dims. They're they're like slightly translucent uh, tape that's meant for you know panels and your equipment and stuff that's too bright Got it. you know there's things that it blind knocks it, down. it knocks it down and i just put a little bit on either side of the three inch wide sensor that's so that's on yeah so it covered just, just the just two sides of, of the working area that it doesn't it's not so sensitive is what you're looking at right okay. and then and then it's actually perfect because now it just turns off when i put it put it up to my eye yeah but then when i take it off just a little bit then it shut. It shuts down and turns on the LCD. That's how you want it to work. Yeah. Yeah. So we were. We were. Uh, you know. We had to deal with that as well because we're putting a device over the infrared sensor above the eyepiece. So we put a notch in, and it was very important, obviously. So when you went up to it, it would give you the same functionality, like it wasn't there. So we did the same thing. Didn't have to modify much. Just were well attended when we molded and made the part. That's be aware of it. That's great. Okay, so now the final product um, we're going to talk about is the Hoodman tent. Yes. The inflatable tent. Now, I know this is a new product that's coming out soon. It's available for anybody that uh, needs a room that has Hoodman uh, logo on it. It can be set up in five minutes. It can go in any environment. It, <laughs> it also has the ability to become a jumpy house. So I know that sounds crazy once again, but I've had more people come into trade shows with kids that say kids are gravitate towards this thing. So I'm thinking of starting to do that for the weekends when I don't have enough time on my hands, right? And go ahead and use this as a jumpy thing or fi turn it over and fill it with water. It's another one for you. There you go. Port portable pool. Portable pool and portable shelter. It does it all. And it's been around for about 10 years now. Really? It's the same one? Same one. Same one, built in Australia, believe it or not. I don't know why it was built there. If you remember a company called Crumpler, Crumpler was a bag company. You remember this maybe 10 years ago? They had a wacky bag like this one year. We looked at it and said, this is great. we got to do this. We're going to make a hood man like this. Do the drawings, $30,000 later, this came out. Wow. But really, it's a great piece. It's, uh, oh, sorry. Well, now we found the origin. We were wondering about the Hoodman. What do you call it? The Hoodman tent? The Hoodman building? I, well, it's not a blow-up, but it's kind of a the dome we like to refer to it as. The Hoodman like, dome. Uh, if you've ever been to Cologne, Germany, where Fotokina is, probably. I've never been there. The dome. The Hoodman dome. We have the true story. Well, thank you very much, Bob. You've been at Awesome. You're really welcome, appreciate it. Keith. Thanks. And uh, this has been Keith Moreau with Tech Move for NAB 2016 here at the Hoodman booth. Signing off for now. Bob Schmidt of Hoodman 
and Keith Moreau of Tech Move. Thank you for uh, that uh, great interview. Uh, sounds like, you know, you have a lot of great experience with the Hoodman products, Keith. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your thoughts after, after you got done talking with Bob. Well, I was particularly intrigued by this latest product they have. It's actually a hood for your iPad, uh, for your phantom rig. So it's kind of a combination of things. So there's, there's, I guess like two pieces to it. There's, there's the, the hood part that is basically iPod, iPad sized. And then that's kind of, um like a sun shield but then there's another part that kind of goes up into your face <laughs> so that <laughs> and you can kind of see it in the interview but basically it's like a big tube okay kind of that you put your face into and i mean you definitely won't you know you'll, you'll be the geekiest guy out there <laughs> on the field but you'll have a very good view of your of your camera um as it's as it's flying through the air so um so it's pretty cool. So I I just recently got a Phantom Four. So I actually purchased their Phantom Four model. Um, so it fits on their their rig. And then another thing I got was this belt clip, uh, this belt that has a little uh, bracket on it that will hold the Phantom Four as well. Mm. So you don't have to ha- get that, but that's a combination. So you, so you don't have to. It's basically hands free at that point. So you can have your your Phantom Four remote uh, mounted on your waist. You know. And it's kind of up a little bit higher, you know, maybe like it's kind of down at your hips, the the belt and then the the Phantom Four remote is around like mid stomach level a little bit higher. And then you put the hood thing on top. So you really look like a geek. Uh, and actually all, I think what you look like is you kinda look like a NFL official going for the instant <laughs> replay. Actually you're right. Yeah. I mean yeah. That, that that's what I mean it, it it's that's exactly what they're using on the sidelines for for uh, for play review, yes. and and this is this is essentially what you're using right now, and it, it makes total sense. It, it makes it's, total it's, sense. It's 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 got to be uh, fantastic as far as being able to see in in direct sunlight. Yeah, I think I think it'll come in handy. I I just saw it and I thought, you know, I need I need more stuff for my Phantom Four that you that may I've or may not ever it. use. <laughs> right, yes. you might as well purchase stuff. I might as well. Uh, uh, in in hopes that you may open up the box someday for it. So yes, that's yes. great. Good. <laughs> well, that's terrific. Hey, that is uh, so. That's Bob Schmidt. And oh yeah, and, and if you listen to the interview, you'll 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 hear some inside information on the on the Hoodman tent. Okay. So <gasps> oh, uh, uh, the hood the Hoodman the Hoodman tent, tent the thing that's behind us. Oh, oh, in the, oh, video. oh the, the, yeah. the thing that looks like a little jumpy house, <laughs> right? For birthday, exactly they, 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 maybe they uh, rent it out for for birthday parties <laughs> and other things. Fantastic. Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, hey, you can find them hoodmanusa.com. A lot mm-hmm. of lot of stuff. They have a lot of different uh, uh, products for you know for mm. cameras, for uh, camcorders, broadcast stuff, and drones, and all this kind of neat stuff so Mm -hmm. take a look like he said family operated uh good crew of people over there so we appreciate bob giving us his time and uh so take a look at the hoodman stuff will you folks um all right hey uh we're gonna come right back with more of nab 2016 right here on tech
All right, it's Tech Move Podcast along with Rod Louie and Keith Moreau again. And we have another uh, sizzling interview that Keith has done. Yes. Uh, and this time it's with our friends over at Convergent Design. Uh, and specifically, uh, one of our good friends, Mitch Gross, who's uh, so good to uh, spend so much time with us. Uh, and I think he's got a couple of things that he wants to share with us, right, Keith? Yep. Yep, I was. I'm always. I'm always uh, interested in the um, amazing developments with the Odyssey, which I bought. I think three-ish years ago, and it still seems like it's still going strong. And I'm kind of amazed at how upgradable it is. So we talk about that. Yeah, and which some, is and some other stuff. Right, and it, and it's really really interesting because it, it you know the the way he presents it, it's it really still has a lot of room for even more growth than. Uh, so I think it's something that you'll be hanging on to for quite a while. I think so. It just seems like every firmware update breathes new life into it. Terrific. So Terrific. We'll talk about that All right. afterwards. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, so here's Keith's uh, uh, exclusive interview uh, with Mitch Gross of Convergent Design right here on TechMove. Hi, this is Keith Moreau with TechMove Podcast. We're here at NAB 2016. We have... An amazing guest from last year was a legendary interview, Mitch Gross of Convergent Design, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Odyssey 7Q, 7Q Plus, some of the new firmware, and we're going to talk about some new products as well from Convergent Design. How are you doing, Mitch? Doing just fine. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Um, tell us about the new 7Q Plus, some of the FS5 updates, things like that. So what we're now, we have a, another firmware coming probably a couple weeks and it's going to include a bunch of new stuff. Kind of keeping a little secret, a little surprise. You don't want to give it all away beforehand. That way the day it comes out, everyone's all excited and stuff. So there's going to be a bunch of stuff, but the, what we are talking about right now at the show is the new stuff for the Odyssey Raw Bundle. So anyone who owns the Odyssey Raw Bundle already is going to get all this stuff added to it for free. Anyone who is thinking about getting it when, when they buy it, you're going to get these new cameras and the old ones at all same price. So first one is the IO 4K camera. That camera can shoot 4K up to 60 frames a second. It's a tiny little box, and so people are really interested in using it for like virtual reality rigs and 3D POV and stuff like that because it's a tiny little thing. And global shutter, so they all sync up very well and stuff. Pretty neat. That one will be in the next firmware update. That as uh, that just adding that we already do their 2K camera. Now we're going to add their 4K camera. So tell me about this camera. I just I, I'm not. I lost you there. Sitting right in this rig right over here that uh, does 3D. It is a, uh, uh, or I mean uh, virtual reality. It is a s sort of an industrial camera, uh, but it actually has a beautiful image. It's a 4K global shutter camera. Uh, again, IO Industries. Uh, it's their Flare 4K SDI camera. That's the model. Uh, and it uses actually the same sensor technology that a a number of other companies who have recently come out with 4K cameras that, you know, their technical sensor, the same one. But these guys got a really, really nice image out of that sensor, much more than others seem to have been able to get out of it. And it can output in video or in RAW. By outputting in RAW, we're able to get extra dynamic range out of it and just really get a beautiful image from that camera. It's quite nice. That's the IO4K that's coming with the next firmware update in a few weeks. Then sometime next month, they haven't given the exact date, but uh, just the other day, uh, Sony announced the raw uh, update for the FS5. I believe they're charging $600 to 
add that raw to the to the cameras, and that's going to do all the same stuff that like FS5, FS7, FS700 does. In fact, it's the exact same spec as the FS700. So 4K at 60 frames a second, 2K up to 240 frames a second, and a short burst of 4K up to 120 frames a second. And so that, beautiful stuff. And we, of course, take all of that and we record it in RAW, in Cinema DNG files, or we can take the RAW and process it and turn into video and then record that as ProRes in all those different kind of frame rates and stuff. And we can even take the 4K uh, RAW and turn it into an HD ProRes that looks better than what comes out of the camera in HD in the first place and stuff. So we do, we've supported Sony, we've been great friends with them for a long time doing these cameras and we're really going to support them that much more with the next camera. We've already been working with the prototype for quite some time and really getting that supported. So that'll be sometime next month. And then sometime later this summer, and again, I don't think the date has been announced exactly when, but uh, Panasonic has the Vericam LT, and they're going to sometime this summer announce, uh, uh, release the raw output for that camera. And then we have 4K 60 frames a second coming out of that camera, and beautiful colors, beautiful skin rendition and such that it delivers and stuff. So we'll be supporting that camera as well. And again, all of these included in the Odyssey raw bundle. You don't have to add another license or thing like that. If you, you buy the raw bundle or, or if you already have it, all of these come with it along with FS7, FS700, Arri Alexa, C500, C300 Mark II, uh, and there's some other little POV cameras and stuff. I think, forget how many we're up to now, nine cameras and something like that, well, a lot. So we support all those. So as a FS700 owner as well as an FS5 owner, am I, should I sell my FS700? Well, there's a different physical form factor between the cameras. And FS5 does have uh, S-Log2 as well as S-Log3. And S-Log3, for certain situations, has a really nice curve to it and really great imagery. Uh, and it also, the FS5 is a later camera. And even though they work off the same sensor technology, it isn't necessarily the exact same design to the sensor and the way they process it and such. So, Because there's always processing. Even if you're raw, there's always something that has to go on before they can deliver that raw. And uh, I'm not, we haven't, we, we're in prototype stage that we've been testing with, so I can't say absolutely, you know, the, how much different or not different, whatever the images are out of them. Um, FS700's still a heck of a little camera. Give them both. <laughs> I mean, I, there's, there might be, you know, there might be call to it and you might compare them, but, but I, would, I would wait till they're both finished release things with the raw output and do a comparison and really decide how you feel about that. Thanks. Good advice. Okay. <laughs> so you've come out with uh, some other products recently. Why don't you tell me about that? Yes. Well, one of the things that we, you know, because there's so much capacity built into uh, being able to do raw work and such with Odyssey that we had all this programming capacity and so when we have regular, regular video signals as opposed to a raw that we have to then process, uh, then there's a lot of computing capacity that we have left over. So we came up with what is called Apollo. Now Apollo is available as its own unit, like right there, or you can buy it as an option for the 7Q or 7Q+. It only takes regular video signals, SMPTE video, video, as opposed to taking a, uh, a raw signal. But when you do that, you can take two 4K signals, 
up to 30 frames a second. You can do one 4K signal up to 60 frames a second, but two 4K signals up to 30 frames a second, and we can record them both at the same time. We can look at them as picture in picture, you know, right beside each other. Uh, and it, or uh, you can tap one, the small image, and it switches with the others, or you can just see both of them and stuff like that. And so we can record that directly on the unit. Uh, and so you're doing like a two camera interview, you could get both in one recording, everyone, everything is in sync and the file names match and all that stuff. It's, very convenient. Uh, but then in HD, well, now we got a lot more uh, capability, so we can take four different signals at once, four HD signals at the same time, and we can not only record all of them, but we still have some capacity left over. And so we can record a fifth channel at the same time. So we're recording the four ISOs, and then we can record a fifth channel, and that can be either a quad split or a program out, meaning a live switch. We can switch between the four channels, and the fifth channel, we can output it to monitors or to a live stream video or wherever we're gonna be live switching to, and we can also record that live switch because this also then becomes a switcher, and we can actually perform a live switch right on the unit. It can do hard cuts, it can do dissolves, things that we just announced at the show, it can do a dissolve is one of the features. It becomes extremely useful for multi-camera work because, boy, you know, if you have a bunch of different cameras and getting their time codes all to match, getting everything all synced up, when they start, when they stop, lining that up, getting, you know, maybe this one records on CF cards and this one records on SYS and this is, you know, just different codecs and stuff. Got to transcode all that stuff, got to sync it all up and post. Even if they're all the same model cameras, you still got to... It's a lot of pain in the butt work that you got to do. Whereas everything on one SSD, all the time code is exactly the same. They start and they stop the same. The clip files, the way it will come out of this when you go through the CD ProRes transfer tool, it'll be like clip one dash A, clip one dash B, clip one dash C. And all very straightforward and then you take that and you put it into your edit system like Final Cut or Premiere or whatever and you just, you grab it, you do a little right click and it says multicam and you select that and just say timecode because it's all the same timecode and it all locks together. You drop in your timeline and there they all are in perfect sync. It's all done. So it, you could do a live cut and you have your live cut but then you might decide you want to change it or maybe you missed something, whatever, and you can still have your ISOs and you can load the live cut along with it and then match them back and stuff. And it's a beautiful thing and compared to the way the workflow to do multicamera was, up until now, it was either horrendously expensive or uh, was just a major, major pain in the butt. It just takes hours of work and all, and like drudgery work. I mean, not the fun stuff of actually doing the creative editing and such. It was just encoding material and finding sync and na renaming files and just the stuff that nobody particularly enjoys doing is just got to get done. This removes all that and it's just simple and takes away the complexity. So we have... We have clients like 60 minutes shooting with this, and that I mean, the 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 gold standard of interview shows and stuff. You know, they're shooting their stuff now using Apollo, and it just simplifies their workflow and it makes it faster. And you know, it's it is a news organization; they got to get stuff turned around and stuff. And it's just they feel it's more convenient, and it's just you know they can get to the doing their work that much quicker and stuff. They can actually play everything back in sync together on the unit, so someone could take the Apollo, it can run on a little battery, same as the Odyssey, and you can take that into the, uh, on your flight home and be 
logging all your footage and watching everything together, you know, with a pair of headphones, just seeing all four images at once and then switching between them and stuff and, you know, keep your time code track and stuff. It's a very convenient setup. Uh, there's people doing video assist work who are like, you know, I can buy a $20,000 computer system that is my whole multi-camera video assist system for a big show, whatever, or I can just get an Apollo and portable system to do it. We have people doing putting for car rigs or for reality shows where they have like confessional booths or whatever and they can do stuff with multiple cameras and then they all, some you know, GoPros or whatever cameras they might use and they squeeze it into a tiny little spot because you're inside a car or somewhere where you don't, don't have much room to work. And again, everything's all in sync together and whatever, but it's also all locked in place where it's, you know, you don't have to worry about a camera overheating or whatever. It's all, you know, working great there. It's a very convenient system to use. And then we've added, we introduced Apollo just uh, a few months ago, but we've already had a couple of firmware updates. And so the new one, the stuff that we've announced at the show, I mentioned before about having dissolves, but we also have dual master recording. So you can record to, uh, you know, traditional recording, you record to one SSD, when it fills up, it starts recording on the second SSD. But we can have dual master, so it's recording the exact same thing on two SSDs at once. So you hand one to your client as soon as you're done, and they can leave, and the other one you hang on to as a backup. You can have uh, a eight tracks of audio embedded in, over SDI for each of your four inputs. There's 32 tracks of audio. It's a lot of audio. <laughs> so depending on what kind of work, I mean, imagine like doing like seminars or concerts and stuff, and you got a lot of different audio feeds coming in. You deal with it later for, you know, maybe mixing down if you want to, or whatever, I don't know. Uh, the um, and then there's a kind of a, one that kind of takes a little to wrap your head around. For a lot of people, when they talk about doing a switcher system, they're usually like an install in a facility of some sort, and they'll just buy all the same model cameras and stuff, and that way, you know, everything kind of matches out nicely and stuff, fine. But because Apollo is so inexpensive and portable, you know, it's again, one inch thick, you can drop it in any camera bag, because it's such a petite setup, a lot of people are using it for interviews or uh, just a field setup where suddenly they're going to do it. And they're going to use the cameras they have on hand that they have available. You know, you know, might be your main camera. If you're doing an interview, maybe your main camera is uh, an F800 or something. And then you have a B camera back to the interviewer. It's EX1 or, you know, you got a GH4 and 5D Mark III or whatever, they, you know, whatever cameras you might have. And the problem with a lot of these different brands and different levels of cameras, how much processing that they have available. The video output, sometimes there's some latency. They're a little delayed in sending out the video output. And then if you have like an audio mixer, the video is delayed at all, the audio ends up coming in early and it's before the video and stuff. And well, you send all that into Apollo, it's all out of sync. What are you, what are you gonna do with all this stuff? Well, what we can do, it, to describe the feature, it's, I'll describe how it works. You point all your cameras at, your, at like a slate and or you can just do a hand clap right and you turn on the hit record do a hand clap that's your sync reference you hit stop go to the playback and you find like the one that was last because all has sync right so you find the one that was last and then you do this new control that we have called av align and what you do is you go into that mode and it's a little menu that walks you through it it's really really straightforward but you're going to go to the camera a and you're going to say okay i'm going to adjust the video, frame, 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 boom, okay, that's my sync point. And then I'll go to the, adjust the audio, frame, 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 okay, there's my sync point for that. 
I'm going to do it for camera A, then I'm going to do it for camera B, C, D. So I have eight different streams, right? Video and audio each for eight, you know, for all four inputs. Once I get them all lined up, I hit the button that says apply that for my recordings from now on. So as long as I have AV Align turned on, that's going to apply it for my recordings all from now on, and they're all in sync. And I don't care how much money you got, how much equipment you want to have in a truck, you can't really do that unless you want to just delay everything horribly because every another, every box you put in adds a little more delay. You're going to have everything 30 seconds behind or something, fine. You could do that, but it's, that would be insane. I mean, it's, it's a monstrous thing to do. You just get all the same camera. Here, we can take what our, a portable kind of system, a tiny little inexpensive system, line it all up, all right in the box. Very efficient workflow. It's one of those things people are like, wait a minute, you can... You can do that, you know. So, so then now we have it opens it up to like uh, corporate AV kind of setups and uh, doing seminars and church house of worship kind of situations. And people do live stream work where imagine doing an interview just like this, but they're able to just plug in a couple of cameras and then send the feed over because it all comes out of the out of Apollo into one central thing and something. And so you kind of up the game with that a little. Got a had a bunch of bloggers come in and they're like, all right, you know, it's, I'm going to change what my, 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 you know, sitting at home doing a blog, you know, at a desk or, you know, think now I'm going to have it with multiple angles and I can just, I'll have it sitting on my desk right next to me and I'll be able to switch around right there and just do the blog, up my game. A lot of different uses for it. So that's, that's Apollo, a very clever machine. It's amazing how you've repurposed the Odyssey 7 technology and created this whole new device that's, it's basically like a TriCaster, but it's in this little box. Yeah, you know, I mean, they do what they do, and they have certain features or whatever, and that's that can be great, but it means you have to have a big keyboard with all the controls and stuff, and it, it's, it's a thing, and you got to sort of address it that way as a whole operation. This is, you can do all of the controls. We have it hooked up with some monitors here, but you can do everything right on this little interface and just right on the touch screen, and it's a different kind of working uh, use, and it is pretty amazing what's in there, but a lot of this was considered before we ever started, you know, and a lot of it was also just like, let's, let's give ourselves room. Let's have a processor available to us that would have the capability to do some more things. And then instead of every year coming out with a new product and totally, you know, disenfranchising our clients, uh, the idea was like, you know, if we just keep adding another thing to this box, and sometimes they're free updates, sometimes like, all right, well, we're going to develop this whole option, and if, you, if, you want, if you're interested in it, you just pay some money and you add it to your machine. You know, people can keep, you know, you have a 7Q you've had for a long time that can add this function and do everything that, that this box can do. You have a whole new machine out of it, and you... It makes you happy, you keep your device, you keep moving forward with it. Meanwhile, as long as we keep bringing in some new clients because we add these new features and it keeps us going, you know, hey, everybody's happy. So that's kind of the attitude. We want to be able to keep building the client base and, you know, uh, it lets a, it gives people the confidence in buying a product knowing that our plan is not to obsolete it in a year. You know, it's just that's not the way we want to work. We want to make something that you can that can grow with you, and there will be times where you know, look, eventually, we only get so much in there, you know, or, or we'll decide to go do some other kind of thing. Or who knows? But uh, you know, the idea will be build a box, and that box does a task, and 
if it's only going to do just that task, that's fine. We'll sell at a certain kind of price, so it's only going to do that task. And then you come out with something that does some other thing, and you know, okay, you'll charge a different price for it and something because it does something else. But it's not going to eliminate what that other box was. It's like that little box will just do that, and you can buy just that box if you only want to do that. You know, fine. You know, there are times for steak, and there's time for a hamburger. You know, nothing wrong with either one. You know, do either way. So. It's a, but it is a different philosophy than having something, you know, is, this is here for now, and then you're going to throw that away and you're going to get this one instead, you know. We didn't really want to do that to people. It's not to complain about other companies as much as that, you know, some people get a sort of a false rep, I think, for that, where they'll come out with a new model, and the old one is still good, you could still use it, but it's like, oh, that's the functions I really wanted, you know. We try not to do it where we steal functions, you know, hide them away from you, and it's like, oh, we only released this one, you know, you really wanted this, but this is the box you really wanted. You know, I don't want to do it. We don't want to play those games with people. So it's like, we release over time, but it's like, well, you know, keep coming in, you know, <laughs> load that, that SSD in there, and poof, then now you've got it too. So it's, that's the, the philosophy behind the product and the company. Well, that's... Really great stuff. I'm really happy that I invested in your in your company and your product. Are we? Well, anything else to say, Mitch? Before we go, thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Great interview. This is Keith Moreau with Tech Move NAB 2016 signing off for now. All right, we're back. It's Rod Louis Keith Moreau. Thank you, Keith, for that. Uh, uh, really great interview with uh, Mitch Gross, Convergent yeah, Design. Uh, very nice to hear about the Odyssey Raw Bundle. Yes. The Odyssey Raw Bundle has been, it's been around for a while, but they just keep adding new. They just add stuff. Kind of, it just seems the, yeah. like they just keep, uh, th th there's more things and they're never really trying to, you know, get you as a consumer type of thing. You know, nobody's out to get anybody here. They just want to provide all this great stuff for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great, and the thing the thing that I'm particularly interested in is because I have an FS5, and then Sony just just announced a little bit before Mitch and I talked, they had just announced that they're going to be uh, upgrade providing an upgrade to the FS5 to allow it to output RAW. Oh, oh yes, so, yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right, yeah. So my uh, my crippled FS5 is going to <laughs> soar and become a beautiful eagle. <laughs> <laughs> flying over all the other camcorders. <laughs> In, instead of throwing it onto the scrap heap with all the other equipment that you have. Yes. Well, it thank actually, goodness. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, it actually made it, I think it made it kind of a relevant camcorder. Just this one little update. And it's going to cost about $500 for the Sony part of it. You'll probably have to send it in, or maybe you'll just be able to unlock it, but I think you might have to send it in. That's what you usually do with Sony. And then they upgrade something on the firmware. Oh, you won't be able to do it yourself? I don't know. I hope I hope we'll be able to do it myself. I, I honestly have not investigated, but it seems like all the firmware updates, like it's kinda like like if you can do it yourself then you could probably hack it yourself too. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's a lot true. of people do that. But you never know, maybe. Um I would hope that would be so much more convenient because it takes a couple of weeks at least to get to get that turnaround. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think it's they say it's gonna be end of May ish, maybe, which would be nice. So I'm definitely going to get that. And I already have the raw uh, bundles from on both my Odysseys from, from uh, Convergent. So I'm good to go. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and, then, and then another thing that Mitch talked a lot about, which is I personally don't right now have an interest in it, 
Um, I'm, it's it's a kind of a kind of like a hardware switcher, where you can use all the different inputs. That the Odyssey has tons of different inputs. If you have S- SDI out, outputs on your camcorders, right? Or if you don't, you can get these really cheap converters um, that can convert HDMI to SDI. They're like hundred dollars something each, and uh, then you could have a four input switcher and recorder on your Odyssey. Wow! So you have, yeah, you can have four HD signals. And then you can switch them just by touching the screen. Like, I want this one. I want this one to be output. Oh, nice. Yeah. And and so you can also do, like, dissolves and things like that. I, I don't know if you can do other things like keying and things that other, maybe, like, TriCaster and other, like, Wirecast has. Um, but still, it's pretty cool to have that in a little teeny little monitor bundle thing that can do all that switching. So that's, for some people, it would be a great deal. Um, that actually, you can actually add that upgrade to the Odysseys if you already had them. You can upgrade them to this functionality because I think it's just software, and uh, it's a little expensive. I think it's it's up there, maybe a couple thousand dollars for it yeah. to make to add that feature. But I personally wouldn't use it because I actually use Wirecast and a couple um, a couple Blackmagic little boxes to get video into my my MacBook Pro and do the kind of the same thing. But but still. Um, for it's 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 kind of a lot of trouble to have all these wires and other things connected, and it's nice to have the Odyssey uh, Apollo combination to, and it can also record onto the device as well. So later you have the four streams, and you have a also have a kind of composite stream with all the switching camera angles in it, also recorded. So it's a really t- fast turnaround device. So anyway, that's that was a cool thing, but I'm I'm most interested in the upgrade to the FS5 raw. Oh, I think I I think that that's a that's actually a pretty big announcement, so that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, cool for cool for me. Great. Well, yeah. uh let's uh share with the good folks at home where they can find all this stuff on the website. Their website is convergent-design.com. Uh you can find them there, you could find out all, about all the poly, uh uh products including the Apollo and the Odyssey stuff, the, the Odyssey Raw Bundles and the Odyssey Q, uh, 7Q+, Plus, all this great stuff that they've got advertised right now. Uh, go visit them. Again, convergent-design.com is where you can find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch Gross, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Keith Moreau, thank you for so much for finding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's uh, come back with uh, more of our exclusive material uh, for the NAB 2016 show along with Tech Move. We'll be right back. We're back on our uh, exclusive uh, podcast of uh, the (laughs) NAB 2016. I don't know what we call it. I'm getting so loopy on this. But anyway, it is the NAB 2016 uh, that Keith was so... Uh, good to be able to represent the mighty tech move world. Uh, so thank you, Keith, for going out there. We have another special guest. Uh, we have a company by the name of IO Industries that we'd like mm-hmm. to share our uh, our latest interview with. Uh, and we have one of their reps here, Adam Little, is good enough to join us along with Keith Moreau. Uh, Keith, you want to share anything as an intro for IO Industries before uh, we hear the interview? Yeah, I just, I um, the only reason that I even knew about IO Industries was because in the Convergent Design booth is um, the Odyssey interview that I did with uh, Mitch Gross. Right. Um, 
he actually mentioned the IO devices that they support this format now. And I had never even heard of the IO devices camera. And he said, oh, it's a great camera. They've actually gotten a lot of performance out of this global shutter camera. And whenever I hear global shutter, I kind of like, ooh, because it, it has in some interest to me. Right. Um, so I, since I never heard of this thing, and, and they had like 10 of them in a little kind of VR array in the convention design booth, I was kind of intrigued. Sure. So it's a teeny little box. Uh, anyway, we searched out. We finally found their little booth because it was kind of obscure in the corner. It's not a very big company. And I did the interview, and then we could talk about what I found out after after you guys hear it. That's terrific. Okay, well, let's talk to Adam Little, Adam Little of IO Industries, along with Keith Moreau of Tech Move. Here is that interview. Hi, this is Keith Moreau with Tech Move NAB 2016. Uh, actually, Mitch Gross over at Convergent Design mentioned that um, this company, IO Industries, had a great little camera that interfaced with their um, with their box, and apparently they got some really great uh, results out of the sensor. So I'm here with Adam Little of the company, and he's going to tell us a little bit about their interesting little camera. Hi there. Yeah, so it's a 4K global shutter uh, CMOS sensor, and we're out putting 4K at up to 60p. Uh, so we go out either 422, 444, or RAW, and the Odyssey that, that uh, Mitch has at Convergent Design will support our 422 in ProRes and the uh, RAW mode in Cinema DNG. So tell me a little bit about this camera and the sensor. Uh, so it's a, a solid uh, aluminum body. Um, you can control it over an RS-485 interface, which means it's good for connecting to an RCP for some of the uh, broadcast setups. And also we have a handheld remote and a software interface for production setups. So what makes your sensor and your camera better than some of the other ones that are using this particular technology? Uh, well, the big thing with our camera is a global shutter. So for people doing uh, VR and POV applications, the uh, global shutter is a lot easier to correct for vibrations. Um, you don't get jello artifacts and stuff like that on the sensor. Um, so a lot easier in post to sort of get, get through the video and edit it. What kind of price point are we talking about here? Uh, so any of the passive mounts, which means lenses that are manual lenses, um, we sell as kits for $8,000. And then the active mount, which we're seeing here, uh, which gives you electronic uh, control of the lens, is $9,500. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Can you show us how it works a little bit? Uh, sure, yep. So, I mean, we've just got a handheld remote plugged in here. This is on uh, over on that screen there. Um, but basically, uh, with a handshake by plugging in uh, the remote camera sees the remotes plugged in and uh, you just hit the center button and it brings up an on-screen menu to control all the camera functions um, uh, color control black balance white balance uh, lens control user sets uh, the lookup tables um, all the all the different features of the camera so on the monitor thanks Okay, so here I brought up the on-screen menu. Um, so in the general tab here, we have uh, a range of video formats uh, from UHD 2398 all the way up to 4K at 60p. Um, and we also have the ability to put it in the RAW output. So as I described, if you've plugged into the Odyssey 7Q, the RAW output will record as Cinema DNGs. A um, bunch of other features, like uh, we've got an auto exposure mode as well as a manual exposure mode. 
and uh, you can set the maximum minimum bounds of the auto exposure. So anywhere from a full automatic to a full manual setup. What type of dynamic range are you getting here? Uh, it's a theoretical 12 uh, stops, but it ends up, you get a lens and stuff on it, it ends up being around 10 stops. That's great. Well, this is pretty interesting and, and intriguing, especially because of the global shutter. Thanks, thanks a lot, Adam. It's been really informative. No problem. My pleasure. Keith Moreau, Tech Move Podcast, NAB 2016, signing off. That's Adam Little uh, with IO Industries at the NAB 2016. Uh, Keith, thank you very much for that one too. That was a that, that was a good one. What what was your what was your honest thoughts though about this uh, about this new camera? Well, it, it's a small company. I think it's a very specialized company. I think what they what they've done is they've taken this sensor um, that I think a few other manufacturers have have used. It's a 4K sensor and it has global shutter. That's that's kind of its claim to fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the other companies that uses it is Blackmagic, and I think they use it for their Ursa Mini 4K mm-hmm. global shutter camera. So the Ursa Mini you can buy for like $3,000, and it's actually a camcorder. It's not like a little weird little box that you plug a bunch of BNC cables into the back. It's <laughs> that has no monitoring or anything else. Um, it's got a mo- you know the the Blackmagic has a monitor and a whole bunch of other stuff, and it's using the same sensor. Sensor now I think what Mitch Gross was was implying from Convergent was that the I/O devices people have gotten way better performance out of that sensor and a better look out of that sensor than the Blackmagic sensor. And is that so, true? Were, were I don't you know. able to see it or no? Um, I didn't. You know, I didn't really have a chance to really look at it that much. I just I just went to their booth for about ten minutes and and looked at it. But the problem was is that not the problem, but what I see, it's a pretty specialized device, and I think so. If you need global shutter, like if you're doing, I don't know, like um, like CGI, and you're doing green screen with people that are moving really fast, or objects that are that have straight lines that you need to be perfectly straight, not wiggly, like the CMOS rolling shutter kind of yes wigglies right. Jello. Sure. Then it's it's probably a, a pretty it's it's in demand for that kind of limited market. Um, the so problem is so maybe like maybe action shooters or something like that. Maybe, but then maybe they'd be using other stuff. I don't know. Maybe they would use it. It's 4K, you know, so it's got some resolution. But um, the problem is it's nine thousand dollars, I think, for the lowest model. Yeah. So that's a little bit high, in my opinion, for this camera that has a pretty specialized application because you need to add a lot of stuff to it to make it functional. Mm, okay. Um, it, it, the, you, you just can't buy this thing and have it work. I don't think so. You need to have an external monitoring solution. You need to control it through like a serial RS-232 or 422 controller. And it's just not, it's it's kind of like, a, I wouldn't say it's a DIY project that's been professionalized, but it kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, going to Radio Shack and getting your, your, your project box and then drilling some holes in it and then adding a sensor. And and <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's probably way better than that, and I'm I'm probably down. I'm probably not giving it its its due, but still, I, I personally would not get it. I mean, you look at look at behind me and look at all the wires and things it needs to operate just to get it to function. I did notice camera. that. I did notice yeah. that it, it like you're pretty heavily tethered by it, by a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I can see in maybe some applications like in, if you're de- creating a VR device, you need a little teeny little platform. It's really small. Yeah, I mean it it's literally like, like two inches wide yeah and maybe four it's like two by four square the lenses you put on there are bigger than the than the actual unit yeah yeah and 
so for that, you know, maybe you'd want to buy a bunch of them and create some kind of really interesting device. But for like the average, you know, documentary shooter or cinema shooter or whatever, probably wouldn't use it. Mm-hmm. More, very special. Anyway, that's my two cents about it. I think we've talked enough about it. But I just thought, you know, since Hamidja talked so highly about it, that I'd go over and do that. And so we have the interview. Sure. So you know yeah. what? Let's let's still give them a plug anyway. Yeah. It's uh, ioindustries.com uh, is where you will find them. You can read about the products that uh, we just talked about. And uh, again, you can find them. Ioindustries.com is the uh, web address. So, okay. Hey, okay. Uh, thanks so much, Keith. We will come back with another uh, interview and our continuing coverage of NAB 2016 right here on Tech Move. It's the Tech Move podcast coverage of NEB 2016. Rod, Louis, Keith Moreau with you. And uh, we want to... Uh, Keith, I know that this was a tough get for you to get uh, oh, yeah. as far as interviews go, but uh, we were so fortunate to be able to uh, secure someone from Atomos. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about that? Yep. So Veronica and I um, went went to Atomos. Last year, we were kind of lucky. We actually got Jeremy Young, who's the CEO of Atomos, or the owner of Atomos. I'm not quite sure what the structure is there, but he's he's like the main guy. He's the guy that's always the face of Atomos. Atomos has such a presence. Like, no matter where you look, you will see the Atomos, some message about Atomos. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, they must... Their advertising budget for NAB is is huge. Like you know the signs that show you what row you're on, t- so you can locate right like, where you are in the building. Sponsored sponsored by Atomus. Pretty much almost every single one had Atomus's name on it. <laughs> Outside the building, Atomus. When you're going on the bus leading in and out to the to the to the NAB, Atomus. When you're going into a, a doorway into the main hall, Atomus at the top and the bottom <laughs> and the side. It's like the Atomus show. They don't. It's not even NAB. It's the Atomus show, right? <laughs> so featuring NAB. Yeah. So I don't know. They must. They must have a. I mean, this is like a monitor company. They make little monitors, right? Yeah. It's it's almost like they're bigger than Sony or 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 Canon or or anybody that's there. You know. Yeah. And, and I don't think Atomus is that big of a company, but they must have. They must have like the R and D budget must be like five dollars, and the and the and the marketing budget must be like five billion dollars or something. Because it, be fu- it must be fun <laughs> to work in their marketing department then. Yeah. yeah, but I guess they no, they have actually really good technology, and I feel kind of sorry for the in a way for the people at Convergent Design because they're kind of they're obviously a smaller company, their name's not as big, and they're kind of competing competing with them. Yes, in a way. Yeah, so they sure. they really yeah they really have to. They have to do something to really outshow sh- show up Atomus because they have so many similar products, but um, but anyway, and the Atomus booth it's not just a booth it's like an experience it's like half the sh- half the hall practically. They've got this gigantic blow up dome way bigger than the Hoodman dome. Sorry, sorry, uh, Hoodman guys, but the Atomus dome is bigger. And <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 then they've got this huge um, like stage. Where people were climb rock climbing. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, they were. They were just. I mean, they just. Let's do something weird this year. Let's have rock climbers on our <laughs> in our booth. What, what? What? What was was the location of the booth like? Dead center of the entire thing. Did it, I mean, like, so in, in other words, did they have prime location at the show? 
it was pretty prime because it was so huge. It was kind of in the back half. It was like the back back half of the show, okay. right in the middle. Okay, right in the middle, so right. you couldn't miss it. And they had all these these drawings. In fact, I participated in a couple of drawings. Waited for like twenty minutes to not not win. Right. And, <laughs> right. and and but it just getting so I could I was really trying to get Jeremy because last year we just just got Jeremy in two seconds and I just kept trying to get Jeremy and he was in meetings and this and that. So finally we we um. It was either Jeremy or this guy Trent, and because Trent, I think that like also the head of marketing and really important. So, um, and actually, I really really liked it was Trent, right? It's you, Tony Trent, actually. Sorry, Tony Trent. I really really liked Tony Trent. He was actually really cool. Like I felt like he was a really nice guy, and he's really interested in technology, and he had a good energy. Yeah. Um. So so I really liked him, but it was really tough to even get him, and and so we just did it pretty quick pretty quick little interview he told us all about his products they've got this new um hdr monitors they're kind of the flame series mm-hmm. and then and then in the kind of an addition the higher end flame is called the inferno which is even has these even more recording capabilities and more features but basically they're very extremely high brightness monitors so you can you can watch them you can use them outside without a sunshade they're so bright Hmm. Um, and also, they have this HDR capability, which gives them gives them the ability to show off very darks and dark dark parts and very very bright parts, kind of like more like reality. Right. So anyway, so that's that's the thing we talked about. So you'll you'll hear the interview here hear, hear uh, Tony Trent talking about it all. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. For, so from Atomos, here is Tony Trent, along with our very own Keith Moreau. Right here at the NAB 2016 and on TechMove. Hi, this is Keith Moreau with TechMove NAB 2016. We've got Tony Trent here with Atomus, and they have a couple great new products. Tony's going to talk about that right now. Cool, thank you very much. Yeah, well, if those that don't know Atomos, what we do is we help the whole filmmaking world go a bit smoother. We fix up the, the workflows to make them more efficient, cheaper, and higher quality. On top of every camera, you can you, a lot of cameras around the place you'll see Atomos, and what we do is we combine professional monitoring with recording, playback, and editing in one single touchscreen. So every camera, no matter what the internal codec is, whether it's a Sony or Canon, they'll all have their own individual one, we standardize it to ProRes, which is what you want to end up editing in anyway. So we standardize ProRes, standardize DNX, and we standardize the monitoring functionality you can get. You can get a nice 7-inch screen. You can get all the scopes that you need to, to get the shot set up perfectly. And with these new models that you refer to at NAB, we now can show you also HDR as a preview on your screen. So, I mean, have you been walking around? Have you seen HDR around the, the, the show so far? We've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Like, high dynamic range means you can see brighter brights, darker blacks in the same scene. When you look at home and on television, you don't. You look at a sunset. You're not. You're not cowering like you would in reality, right? We just accept that that's the brightness range that a television can do. We always have. But the capability of cameras and the capability of televisions coming this year is more. They can do. It's not about counting the number of pixels. It's the brightness range of each pixel, and they're going to get it to the point where it's more and more realistic and natural that you just watch it. And so. The, 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 the good news, I think, for all shooters is that cameras already do it. When you see log and, and in a camera, that's 12 stops, that's 14 stops, 15 stops of dynamic range. That's HDR. That's, that's awesome. But they've had to log it. They've had to 
squeeze it into what is Rec 709, which is a six-stop dynamic range environment. So that's why log curves look all washed out because they've manipulated it to fit inside. Shooters are happy because they're capturing all that information, but clients, directors, they're looking at it going, that looks rubbish, mate. That looks washed out and horrible. So now for the first time, we're able to show you HDR as it would look like in reality so you don't make incorrect exposure decisions and you can collaborate on set correctly knowing what the final HDR reality is going to look like. So, so we've done that on the Flame series. It's already in the market. Uh, that comes through as a HDMI only model 1295. You get your ProRes recording, DNX recording onto standard SSDs. Uh, you get a 7-inch screen with HDR. 1500 nits brightness so even if you're not shooting HDR as an outdoor monitor you go hood free and a 10-bit panel so it's a really premium monitor with the be very best in recording that's 1295 as a HDMI only model 1695 for the Shogun Flame adds on SDI as well as the HDMI and you get XLR audio so you can be monitoring audio as well they're both available now and then the Shogun Inferno which is our announcement for the show is coming later in the year coming Q3 of this year and that's going to add on some recording capability it's going to go from 4K 30p up to 4K 60p and it's going to take your HD recording from 120 frames a second up to 240 frames a second and it adds in quad link SDI on the back which means that for cameras like the F55 where you've got you know, four BNC outputs for your 4K you can just connect them simply into the back of the unit uh, really is without any uh, need for convert SDI converters and the like so that's the lineup um, in addition to that 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 gives you all of that HDR functionality it also lets you take the the HDR out to bigger screens or lets you feed HDR in from NLEs like Adobe and, and Apple and let you use it you can tell it I'm running in PQ mode which is the HDR standard you can use the screen as for mastering your color mastering instead of spending $30,000 on a reference monitor if you don't have that capability. So lots of functionality, all designed to make HDR a lot easier to master because we think it's going to be an exciting prospect for filmmakers and, and users alike. That's great. So can you just quick, briefly describe the difference in the features between the Flame and the Inferno? Yep. The, the Flame has got, well, the, you've got two models of Flame. So the Ninja Flame, HDMI only. Shogun Flame, uh, and 1295. Shogun Flame, you get SDI and HDMI, 1695. And then Shogun Inferno is all the functionality of Shogun Flame plus higher frame rate recording and the Quadlink SDI, and that's 1995. That one's coming Q3 of this year. The other two available now. That's great, Tony. Well, thank you so much. Oh, no problem at all. Thanks for stopping by. This is Keith Moreau with TechMove, NAB 2016, signing off for now. That's pretty neat stuff from Atomos right there, Keith. Um, yeah. I, I think also he was able to spend a, a, a couple more minutes with you uh, following that that little brief interview that you had. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. He was very excited about the technology. So they, inside the gigantic Atomos dome, you can kind of see it in the background. It's like a big geodesic inflatable dome, kind of like the Hoodman dome, but a little bit bigger. Um, so they had this. They had a camera an HDR, you know, 10-bit camera or 12-bit camera pointed at this really shiny and yet contrasty motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of really specular highlights, which would be really bright, and then there were darker parts, you know, like the wheels and the rubber and stuff like that. So it really was a very dynamic thing that they were pointing at. Okay. And and the, I guess what, what he was trying to show was how you could control how it looked on your monitor, whether you wanted it to look more flat, like a regular traditional 
um, you know, like Rec 709 color space, or if you wanted to look at it in the HDR mode. And there were little sliders to kind of control that. So that's what that's what Tony was showing me in this little demo. Of, fantastic. Uh, of the Flame series. Yeah, yeah fantastic. All right, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's give a little listen to this. It might not translate so fantastically audio-wise uh, only for those of you listening to our audio podcast because there is kind of a demo on it. But I, we, we still think it's kind of cool enough. So anyway, uh, back to the Atomos uh, booth and Tony Trent along with Keith Moreau uh, here on Tech News. You've got HDR for the scene. So if I just slide this, you watch that line just slowly go up on the waveform. That's about right, I would say. Whereby we're looking now what we're looking at is essentially what we're looking at here. So you're getting the final HDR result on screen with confidence, still recording log into the SSDs, but you're recording with complete confidence that it's right. And and what people would do falsely, if you look down here on a log image, they, they run the temptation of saying, well, it looks a little bit hot. I'm just going to pull that back until it looks about right, hit record, and then that post-production guy or themselves in post-production are looking at that going, darn it, I've gone couple of stops under what I should have done. So it avoids that all in the field. And as I said, you can still take HDR out to bigger screens or feed HDR in from an NLE. So there's a demo. It's pretty cool, huh? Amazing stuff, Tony. <laughs> okay. Thanks for your job. Thank you very much, Tony. That's good. We'll insert that in there. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. It's pretty cool, but It's really neat. It makes it's it super simple as well. Nice stuff. And I like the construction. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Dual batteries on the back so you don't... Yeah. You can swap them out nice and easy. Nice. I'll probably get one. Because <laughs> okay. I'm actually a producer or a filmmaker. So. I can tell you. Yeah. You're know, you understanding everything. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's really neat stuff. I like this interface too. I like yeah. the slider. That's it's like HDR cool. versus Rec. 7 on. Yeah. So what would you consider this, the, co- the colors or the, the um, curve? Is there like a specific curve that you're going to on this side? Yes. Well, well what this is, this is remapping each log curve uh, to uh, something, another curve. To no, yeah, to uh, PQ, the PQ log okay. curve. Got it. PQ is the standard for HDR. For HDR. Okay. And that's why when you feed it in, instead of saying I'm from a camera, you just scroll through the various cameras here and you come to PQ. Yeah. So if it's coming out of Adobe uh-huh. as a PQ signal. Yeah. You can come in there. That's HDR. Then. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Some rough grading and stuff like that. That's great. Well, thanks, thanks so much. All right. Hey, uh, Tony Trent of Atomos and uh, Keith Moreau of uh, Tech Move. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts? Uh, give me the thoughts of, of, of uh, what you saw during that demo, Keith. You know, th- this is a. If, if I were in this area of. Um, like, if I didn't have my Odysseys. I'd be getting the Animus stuff. Oh, really? Well, maybe. I mean, I think it, it has to be proven how you know durable it is and, and all the features and what, what it can record and what it can't record. But what you're getting with the Animus stuff, at least with this Flame series, it's not that expensive. It's less than $2,000. But you're getting this HDR. You're getting either a very high brightness monitor, you know, which you can use outside, which like small HD charges a lot of money for their high brightness monitors. Right, and and if you're shooting outside and you need a monitor, you either have to have a hood like a Hoodman and a thing that I got for my DJI Phantom iPad thing, which is kind of it's not that convenient to always have that, right? 
you always have to put your head in it and you can't see anything else right. at the same time. Right. So or you get this really high brightness monitor. Well this well the Atomus stuff, you get this pretty good software, you get good recording, four K recording, you and you get this high brightness monitor or slash HDR monitor. So it's it's actually kind of a no brainer if you're in the market for it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, convergent design doesn't have this. There's a few other companies like um sound uh video devices, they don't really have this level of technology. So Atomus should be pretty proud of what they have if they can come through with all this. All this stuff is really new. It's like kind of semi vaporware. Ah, you know? okay. It's it's like you can't really buy it yet, but you probably will be able to buy it within a few months. So, so it's going to be so if they can hit if they can ramp up production on it and have it out there and let us uh, get our hands on it, we'll we'll uh, it should be great if it if, if it lives up to the uh, to, to all the specs. I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Good. Thank so, you very much. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. And I, I also wanted to say that my experience with um, with Tony Trent was really. He seemed like a really nice guy. Like he was. He he actually went out of his way to spend more time with me than he needed to. And I didn't feel like I was rushed. I felt like I was rushing him. I felt like okay, I gotta go. And he said, No, no, I want to show you some more stuff. You know, it was really. <laughs> I want to come on. Come on into our dome. I want right. to show you the actual demo. Right. You know, like I didn't even ask him about that. He said, No, come on in. I want to show it to you. Terrific. So that, was, that was pretty cool. That's terrific. That's yeah. well, you know, tech move is very important in the uh, in the industry. So we are, we uh, are. So they really, <laughs> so they, the the security We're, guards couldn't catch up to you quick enough to throw you out of the place. So that's that's a good thing. All right, uh, Keith, thank you so much, Tony yeah. Trent of Atomus, and you can find them at atomus.com. and you spell that a t o m o s dot com is where you find them. Really nice products. I really like them, and I wish them a lot of luck. I hope they do well on this. Um, Okay, with our continuing coverage of the NAB 2016, it's Rod and Keith. We will come back to you with with another segment here of interviews. We'll be right back. Keith, I've got a surprise for you. This is actually our very last interview that we can share with the folks at home uh, regarding our gets at NAB 2016. Really? Yeah, this, it's is, this it's is it. Our, our continuous coverage is finally over? It, it, it's, it's, it's finally mercifully uh, come to an end. <laughs> But it's not continuous anymore. No, it's not continuous. We have to end it sometime. <laughs> I, I think you were probably running out of battery power on the uh, on the microphones or something. So we had to end it sometime. Uh, and but you know, uh, this was a very important. I mean, all of our exclusive interviews have been very important, but this one I really really liked only because of uh, something that you had sent to me. Uh, just recently, as far as footage goes, that you wanted me to review, and it's all because of this particular item. And we're talking about DJI's Phantom Four. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we'll we'll have a segment on that, so folks, you'll hear about you know uh, what we got out of it. Uh, but let's talk about DJI and uh, and your interview with uh, Adam uh, Nad Nagberg. Nageberg? Uh Honestly, I can't remember how he pronounced it. Uh, but in, you know, in the I, interview, we asked. I, I'm, I, I I'm, I'm butchering it. Adam, I apologize to you, but it's uh, Nagberg. <laughs> yeah, sounds about uh, right. I believe it is uh, that. But uh, they were very good to be able to, to, to give us a little bit of time here. Yeah, it was also a little tough to get the interview with these guys. They were really busy and 
I, I just at that moment of the day, it was tough. But we got him, and he was very nice. He was very nice, nice person. You know what's so funny, Keith, is that this kind of goes off the subject a little bit, especially about NAB uh, 2016. But I was in my local Target, you know, mm-hmm. buying batteries or something like that. And there was a DJI Phantom right there, but it, I mean, it was a DJI Phantom, I think, three or something like that. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, they're in Target for crime and sakes. Wow. Can you believe that? I mean, it's I was amazing. really happy for them. I, I you know, uh, uh, very happy for them. I think that's, that's great. That's amazing. You know, if, yeah. if, 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 if they can reach that type of, uh, of consumer, you know, that's fantastic. Yeah, that is really cool. Okay. Uh, right. let, let, let's go into uh, your interview with Adam from T from DJI, and uh, this is our final interview uh, from the NAB 2016 uh, with Tech News. This is Keith Moreau here with Tech Move Podcast for NAB 2016. We've got Adam. Nadgeberg of DJI. He's going to tell us a bit about the Phantom 4 as well as some other new DJI developments. Hi, Adam. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. Tell, tell us about all the great stuff with the, uh, regarding the Phantom 4. Right. So, Keith, this is the Phantom 4. Uh, the thing about it that sets it apart from other um, drones on the market right now is it has these forward-facing sensors. These are cameras, actually, that don't just sense or ping, they see. And what that does is it enables obstacle avoidance. So essentially when the Phantom 4 is traveling and there's an obstacle in front of it, it will see it. And actually because it has other cameras on board underneath and then the 4K camera in front here wired into a central board, it's doing some basic machine learning and making decisions, smart decisions. So see something in front of it, it says, huh, do I have enough room to clear that? If so, yes, with a high degree of confidence, let me go over it. And if not, let me hover in front of it. So that's one thing that's special about this. This is the first consumer drone on the market with that kind of technology. Um, As well, those forward-facing cameras offer some chances for autonomous flight. Uh, Specifically, we have something called TapFly. TapFly means that you can tap on your DJI GO app in the horizon, and the drone will fly out to the distance that you preset. And on the way, it will avoid obstacles, either by hovering in front of them or going around or above them if it can. And meantime, you can control the camera and the gimbal. And then the third application for this is another autonomous flight mode called Active Track because those cameras really do see. So if I point them at you with my controller, it can create a 3D volumetric image of you. And it knows that you look this way and that it knows that this way it's still you. And when you're walking, it's still you. So you can make it track you. No signals, no bracelets. It's you that it's tracking, and it does a pretty darn good job doing it. Um, regarding the programmable flight modes, is it just a straight line, or can you also program curves or any types of nonlinear tr- tracks? Right. So for the autonomous flight modes with tap fly, you're telling it a course to go. But of course, in here, uh, also from the Phantom 3, you have intelligent flight modes where you could set waypoints. Uh, you could set points of interest. So you could actually map out where you want the Phantom, fly, Phantom 4 to fly. That's awesome. Um, what about, um, okay, what about all the new rules and regulations that are coming out? How, how, does the, how does DJI and the Phantom interact with those? Right, very good question. So uh, DJI introduced geofencing in 2013, and the, the goal there was to kind of balance the 
education of consumers with the concerns of regulators about where you can and can't fly. Uh, at that point, it was fairly you know, binary. Fly, don't fly. Yes, you can. No, you can't. But in uh, December of last year, we rolled out Geo, which is smarter. It's new. It offers some live, like a live later, layer of uh, temporary flight restriction information. And it also, if you have a registered account, enables you in some but not all zones that are off limits to temporarily unlock if you have that registered account. You can self-authorize. And that's another important thing for us is we think that when someone flies, they need to fly safely and be accountable for where they fly. So GEO achieves that. Can you talk a little about, I don't really know about this registration that you're talking about. Can you, can you talk about that? Sure, the FAA registration. In the United States, the FAA mandates that, uh, that you, as the operator, need to register your craft. And that craft will have your registration number inside. If you have different uh, drones, different aircraft, you have the same registration number. It costs a small fee. You can apply for it on the FAA site. Uh, and, you know, DJI says uh, that's the, the new rule, new regulation, so follow it. So if I register myself, my number gets somehow incorporated into this drone? No, no. What you do is you, well, you will incorporate it into the drone yourself. What that means is you have to make it visible um, inside the battery case at the very least. You can put it on outside, but when someone pulls the battery, they need to be able to see that registration number at least. Got it. So I just, some type of marker or some type of label, I put that in there? Yeah, something like that, yes. And and, you know, also we recommend that people look at the knowbeforeyoufly.org site to, to know uh, some of the safety tips and rules before they take off. So at this show we have a lot of hobbyists, but we also have a lot of professional filmmakers and, uh, and videographers. And I'm sure that a lot of them are using your drones. So how do you feel about that? What do you think about the rules for professionals, etc.? Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking for the professionals. I've actually at, at this year's NAB, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who have used this, and they've said, unprompted, that they think this camera is almost as good as the Inspire One camera, which is a higher class of drone with a slightly better camera. Um, this camera is cradled on both sides. Uh, it's more stable. They're, they're telling me. Uh, also, the things that we've been saying, it has a better lens, better corner sharpness, less chromatic aberration, less distortion. They're confirming, and they're saying that they're getting some really crisp, amazing pictures. I had lunch yesterday with the, at sitting at the same table was this guy who runs a production company in Miami, and he said, you know, one of my guys just used a drone in this luxury hotel commercial we were shooting, and he, he pulls out his phone and he shows you some of the footage, and he said the aerials really made the shot, and you could see, you know, he shot a nice beach area with the sun setting. It just was, it looked really good to me. And he used this actual drone? That's what he said. He said his, his employee, took the drone out of the car, said, hey, boss, let me get some shots from the air. I think it'll make the commercial better. And, you know, sure enough, it did. I've actually, just getting back to the regulations, I hear that in the near future, there's going to be some ruling on professionals using drones of this size. Are you aware of this? Yeah. So a, a lot of countries now either have or are contemplating or are about to enact uh, what we would call in the United States a micro drone rule. So in Australia, for example, at the end of coming September, uh, for commercial use, small drones, they're not calling it micro drones, but small drones of a certain size, you will not need a certificate of competency or a pilot's license to, to fly them uh, commercially. So in the United States, I know that there's, there's some uh, legislation pending now that would create this micro drone classification, and we're all for that because these things can be used for good, and we think that you know, with a culture of compliance and a harmonization of rules, that's probably the best level of regulation for a drone of this size. Um, 
I, I actually purchased recently purchased one of these, so I'm actually excited. <laughs> I'm actually excited about this. Um, the reason I purchased it was because I felt like it was a, quite a bit safer than previous models and other drones. Just the flight avoidance and 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 other things. I didn't feel like I had to be so much of an expert to fly it. Um, one of the things, though, in the earlier ones, I'm not sure about this one. But the earlier models had a had a guard available for this. Yeah. So uh, you're talking about prop guards. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm of two minds with this. It really depends on what situation you're flying in. First of all, I agree with you, by the way. Normally, when people ask me, they say, I've never flown before. What drone should I get? I usually point them to the cheaper drone that we have or the cheapest drone that we have, like the Phantom 3 standard. But after flying this and seeing how stable it is and how confident I felt flying it compared to flying a Phantom 3, and the Phantom 3 was already a pretty safe and easy-to-fly craft, yeah? Um, but I would say, actually, you know, the price point here, $1,399, I still think it's worth it because it's it's uh, you just fly it more confidently. Um, but getting back directly to what you were asking, you know, it just I don't know it, prop guards, right? What happens is when you put them on, it deactivates the collision sensors because it kind of obscures them a little bit. Now, if you're in a situation where you have uh, small kids around or something like that, you want to be as safe as possible. It, that pretty much makes sense. But in situations where you need collision avoidance activated, you definitely don't want to have them on. So there is a facility, there is a facility to add that. Oh yeah, so there's like a little notch here. I don't know if, if the camera can pick it up, but you basically slide them up through there and lock them in place. And, and that'll put the prop guards on. Great, so it is available, but in doing that, it deactivates the collision avoidance. Yeah, there, there's a benefit, there's a consequence. That's great. Well, thanks so much, Adam. You've been really informative in this interview. It was my pleasure. Thank you. This is Keith Moreau with TechMove NAB 2016 signing off for now. All right, I'm going to butcher the poor guy's name again. Adam Najberg is how I'm going to go. If you okay. say it fast, everyone thinks that that's right. So that's the way <laughs> I'm going to go do it. Uh, Adam from DJI, Keith Moreau from TechMove. I am Rod Louie. And that is our final uh, interview that we have from the show Mm -hmm. uh thank you very much keith oh yeah it was a lot of fun it was a little more relaxing this time with three days at the show rather than two days yeah like last time yeah um it was a little too rushed last time i think we could have done even more but we just were we didn't want to get too stressed so Fantastic. we kind of took it easy yeah well it's good but, it, but it was fun and, and i got to you know i pick all these places these these um manufacturers that i personally own their stuff or, right. or i'm gonna buy their stuff and that's what kind of makes it special too, because there's a personal connection with me. And I think, you know, that they even said that a lot of the interviewees said, "Oh, you know, it's kind of cool talking to somebody who's not just like a reporter, but actually uses our stuff." Right. So that was kind of nice. Well, we appreciate them uh, for spending the time with Tech Move and uh, giving giving you this opportunity to learn more about them and and mm -hmm. the products that they have. So that's that's mm -hmm. terrific. Yeah, and for an example, the D in the with the DI. DJI Phantom, I had just gotten the Phantom 4, I hadn't really even flown it yet, and I asked him a bunch of questions that were relevant to that, got a few answers, and then even after the interview was over, we asked, you know, about other things, specifically, like, I didn't think there were prop guards for the Phantom 4, right. but there are, there actually are prop guards for the Phantom 4, so, you know, little things that I didn't know, now I know. Right, and, yeah. uh, so very helpful in, yeah. in many ways, not only... Yeah. You scratch my back, I'll scratch <laughs> yours, fella. That's yeah. terrific. Great. It was a fun time. Okay, well, uh, we're going to wrap up our interview segment right now, and we're going to come back, folks, uh, with some final thoughts 
that Keith has, that I have. And uh, we'll just wrap up uh, this uh, exclusive, uh, fantastic, mesmerizing coverage of the NAB 2016 right here on Tech. Keith, well, uh, you know, you just sent me something of great interest, and I'd like to kind of do my little review of it uh, as we speak. Yeah, and I'm sure you won't mind one one bit. Uh, in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, play it while you kind of introduce oh. what it is that you sent me. How about that? Would it, that work? It's out? okay, but it's nine minutes long, so we might have to fast forward over a little bit. Right. I, I, well, I'm not going to sit here and watch all nine <laughs> minutes of this crazy thing, but uh, uh, you know, unless there's explosions and people dying everywhere, I'm not <laughs> going to watch nine minutes of this thing. So I'm going to play it now. Yeah, right. you can play it. So I'll play Go it ahead. with you. Right. Where are you now? I'm at two seconds. I'm at... 13 seconds because I pressed it before. Okay, I'll and just, then we I'll decide just, to record I'll go this. Go ahead a little bit. You can scrub through. Yeah. Okay, so now I'm around seven. I'm around. Well, four. now that the people are completely confused and they don't care because they're not watching <laughs> at the same time, why don't we tell them what oh, it is that we're watching? Basically, I'm taking off on a field, a big, gigantic baseball field plus like soccer field. And I'm, I'm really pretty low. I'm probably about four feet off the ground. And I'm just, well, it's, it's actually... Well, on, on yourself, on your own wings, or what are you using? Oh, I'm what using the GGI Phantom 4, my new Thank one, you. My new that's, what, that's what I was trying to yeah. figure out. And this okay, was basically... So we're, yeah. And this is... We are using the DJI Phantom 4. Right. And this is my sixth, like, recording. So it's DJI 0006. Oh. Um, I had done a few before. It was just in the sequence. And you can see it kind of going up in the air. Now it's probably like 50 feet... Maybe, that looks awesome maybe like right 100. there. Yeah. And this is under really windy conditions. The winds are like 20-something miles an hour right now. And it's and, just... And it's very still. It's amazingly solid. Right. Amazing. And this is without any kind of tweaking to the camera settings. This is just whatever the default setting was. And I, I learned later that I should probably tweak it a little bit, and I'll talk about that uh, maybe later. Okay. But... <clears throat> yeah, I was just my first flight. I was kind of scared, but then after I I just did a little test flight on my porch earlier, I said, okay, I think I'm ready to fly. I'm just going to go for it. So I went out there. I got I had my little part of my little hoodman hood, which was indispensable for seeing my iPad in the sun. Right, because a semi sunny day, the sun kind of came out while I was flying, and right. and and it only really and I only had the lower portion of the hoodman, so it was like a six inch hood. But you can get okay. the whole face mask part as well. But I just didn't bring that part. I just thought it was too dorky, so I left that at home. But I, <laughs> so I just had, but it was, but I was just kind of, I had to kind of, even with that little thing, I still had to angle in such a way where it was shading the screen, or else I wouldn't be able to see it. So, and occasionally you'll, if, if you're really pressing forward on the props, like going forward really fast, you'll mm -hmm. see the prop action a little bit on the top. You'll see the props come into the flame frame. But if you're not going forward that fast. Um, or if you're not being buffeted, then the props won't show. So that's pretty cool. So it's pretty much prop-free. Um, I, I have to say that uh, in, it, it is super still. I, I really like the thing of like how you can send it up to a certain altitude, shall we say. Uh, I guess I think that would be accurate. It's to a certain altitude, and it 
can just stay there completely still. Yeah. And and when you see that it's even, uh, uh, you know, it's even windy, it's pretty darn great. It's pretty darn great. And you can see the wind blowing this thing around all over the place. I mean, it's not like the, the, the helicopter's still, but mm-hmm. the gimbal is so good that it makes it seem like it's still. Mm-hmm. So the gimbal's just mm-hmm. like compensating for all the movement that's happening with the helicopter. Right. Yeah, it just kind of keeps this level horizon. And and so... It's, it looks like it's coming into... It came in a little bit. It really looks great. Yeah, thanks. I was kind of... Nice and smooth. Amazingly surprised. And and the and this is on YouTube, you're seeing it. The actual original footage is even better. Um, no, yeah. And also, I could, I could probably set it a little bit better um, on the settings. It's just the default settings with the auto everything, auto shutter speed. So the shutter speed's probably way way faster than it should be for good cinematic stuff. You can see me in there. Me yeah, in. I see that. Yeah. You, you know what I like is that it looked like it was going to come in at a hard landing, but it just kind of stayed really nice and, you know, it kind of like it, almost like it has sensors and it stopped itself from crashing to the ground. That was actually me. That, that's good <laughs> flying then. Thanks. That's yeah. good flying. I'm, I was surprised good. at how easy it was. And then these crows are actually kind of kind of semi-attacking and kind of interested in it. I was trying to mm-hmm. capture them. I was turning it around to try to see the the crows playing mm-hmm. with it. Right. Um, and then this dog came later, and that was kind of annoying. But cause the dog <laughs> wanted to eat it, and right. I just and I and I told the owner, "Could you please leash your dog, and then I'll I'll land it, so I, I'm not going to endanger anybody." Right. And she's kind of like, ah. <laughs> another, another drone flyer, great. <laughs> those troublemakers, yeah, those she, drone flyers. She wasn't happy. She wasn't yeah. happy. But anyway, but you know, oh, she leased great. her dog. I landed it. I let her go by, and then I, and then I buzzed her. No, right. No. <laughs> and now, now the dog has an uneven haircut. Now, yeah, pretty much a little Very trim. Good. Very yeah, good. A little grooming. Little. Hey, I, I, hey, it really looks great. Yeah, it really thanks. looks good. I, I, I really like how it's really low to the ground, and you can do a really nice dolly shot with it. Yeah, I was surprised that you can. There's one shot later if you go long enough where I actually go. There's this light pole that goes pretty high. It's maybe like mm-hmm. 100 feet high. It's really high, maybe 50. Uh, you know those field lights. Yep. Um, and I just do a, like a dolly shot, like a jib shot, all the way up. You know, I, I if we fast forward, I'm gonna try to find it in the little okay. framing thing here. Uh, I I think it's right there. I, I, I you you have the light in frame. Yeah, oh, but it's maybe a little you're bit, not doing it yet. Okay, if you go to like six six thirty. Could have like six thirty. I start at the bottom. I just hey, see. I was about maybe five feet away. I didn't want to get too close and hit it. Here I am. I'm at six twenty eight right now, yeah. and it's going. Yeah. So I just kind of set, and and we're kind of buffeting a little bit here. So it's a little hard to keep it super stable. But you can imagine in still conditions that it would be really, 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 really smooth. I mean, it's pretty darn smooth. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Really. You can good. see all the wind in the background. The trees blowing though. Yep. They're just really going at it. Yep, it's going pretty good. Yeah, and this is where and, it got a little you're, scary. And you're, climb, and you're climbing up the pole. Yeah, climbing up the I pole. I mean, y- y- you know... Isn't that it, cool it, where the lights come in, where you can see the lights? I'm not there past? yet. Okay. Not there. I'm still going up the length of the pole. Oh, yeah, that looks great. Oh, yeah, that really looks great. Yeah. Whoa. And you're way above it now. Yeah. So... It's pretty good. You, you know, as you go up the pole, you can kind of tell that either the wind's taking it yeah. a little bit or whatever... But uh, still, still great. Thanks. Yeah, good job. Thanks, Rod. Okay, we can stop.
All right, fantastic. Well, uh, that is a quick little uh, show and tell of the DJI Phantom 4 that Keith has and is finally taken out of the box yeah. and actually tried. So uh, we can't wait to hear about when you actually use it um, in the field. Uh, yeah. I just, more so than just the school soccer field, but actually for a real shoot. For a real shoot. I was going to use it for the UCSF thing to film their yeah. place, but they, they're starting to come back. The person that's giving supposed to give permission is just asking for all this stuff, like a copy of the license and insurance for you, oh you mean for the uh uh for flying the drone yeah i guess like well i guess i do have a license cuz i do have it registered i do i did yeah. register with the federal database right um and i do have insurance so maybe those two things would actually get me there well try it yeah. see if they thinking, see if they accept that yeah we'll see we'll see what happens i guess it's right. worth a try but i'm not holding my hope my my next so what what I'll what I'll do in lieu of that is I'm gonna just bring up a gigantic uh, jib with a yes. uh, and then just just kind of swing it over the side of the building. Right. <laughs> way more dangerous than this. Little right. Way more dangerous yeah. than this thing. Yeah. But yeah. No, I don't need any permits for that. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> well, uh, l- let's uh, let's talk more about the DJI Phantom Four. Uh, once you uh, once you put it into real play, and, yes, uh, you know when you can get it on this UCSF yeah. project, and also with all the settings and stuff, which I'm tweaking now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, great, great, right. excellent. Thanks, Ron. Okay, we'll be uh, back with more here on Tech Move. Another year down the tubes, Keith, of NEB 2016. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of like what we talked about in our last episode, Keith, was about how we were not anticipating any major announcements. Um, I'm kind of getting a feeling that that really was true. Nothing earth-shattering came out. I, I didn't get my GH5. Uh, you know, we, we didn't get any new uh, Panasonic glass or anything major like that for me. Um, what was your kind of uh, thoughts on stuff like that? You know, I think our pre-NAB uh, show that came out after NAB... Uh, <laughs> right <laughs> was our, our NAB prediction show. Yes, uh, was 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 spot on. I there wasn't a, there weren't a huge number of amazing announcements. Everything was announced a little bit before NAB that was kind of worth even seeing. Um, mostly just little incremental upgrades, firmware updates, things that were added to existing products. Nothing. Honestly, I didn't think there was anything there that was revolutionary not like last year last year there were a lot of great new cameras and other things announced this year not so much new new hardware more just re- more more like refinements and you yeah. know what i i would say that that's actually fairly important right because like some of the things that we had talked about like the how, how it's going to make your fs was it fs3 a lot more useful is that what mm-hmm. it was yeah um fs you, what? Is it, what, what, what FS somebody FS five FS five. No. That's it. 
your FS5. So, yes. so like, you know, in, in, in that way, I thought that that was uh, terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all kinds of little, you know, little things that will work great and everyone's going to be happy. That's going to make their stuff a lot more useful. But mm-hmm. again, nothing, you know, earth shattering or anything. No, not really. But it was still fun. It was yeah. fun seeing kind of the same, a couple of the same people. It was fun seeing Dave Dugdale and meeting him. That was kind of cool. Um, so not so exciting maybe as a show, you know, for the general public announcements for manufacturers. But for me, it was, it was still pretty fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> of, of course. I mean, just be being able to see all the, the, the stuff laid out in, in, in winter. And, and you know what? Hey, I'm sure because of last year, it was so rushed and stuff. You actually got to see almost every booth. At, at some, you probably at least passed it. You might yes. not have gone into it. At least you were able to pass through and yes. uh, and have the opportunity to see absolutely everything. Unlike what you did in 2015. Yes, it was. It was definitely. I got to see more. It was still kind of overwhelming, but I still got. I still sure. saw more than last year. For great, sure. great, yeah. great, excellent, Keith. Thank you so much for uh, for the arduous task. Of going out to Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, thank you for suffering through that uh, terrible time of going to Las Vegas to go yes. to a uh, trade show that we care about so deeply. Um, I thank you for your sacrifice to this country <laughs> and your sacrifice to humankind for doing that. Yes. Oh, and I want to, before we go, thank you for the uh, accolades about the sacrifice for myself, my country, uh, and who, who, whoever else. Right. <laughs> um, You're very welcome. You're very, I, uh, it wasn't really. a sacrifice. It was a lot of fun. It was yeah. fun going with Veronica. It was kind of like a mini vacation and, sure. and also did some work. Um, I want to give you a little hint about what's coming up, something we've been hoping for. You mean in an upcoming episode here on Tech Move? Yeah, it will be in episode 21. Maybe I'll have gotten it. 31, you mean? Sorry, 31. Mm-hmm. Um it's not something that uh it's not something that that I don't think I've even talked to you about or even knew about before a couple of days ago. Okay. So Sigma has a new adapter called, called the MC11. And it's a Metabones killer. <gasps> It's gonna, it's gonna, it's it's basically gonna rewrite the firmware on the Sigma, on 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 a bunch of Sigma high-end lenses, and it's gonna give it full functionality with uh, Sony E-mount, Ooh. including autofocus and everything else. Oh my! Uh, okay, all right. I have, I have I have that, and I have a Sigma eighteen to thirty-five millimeter art lens on order. Oh, just the one I was looking for. Yeah. Just so the one I was out. looking for. Yeah, and it's on order. Um, B&H has a Passover holiday right now, and actually the Sigma's not even out yet. It's going to be out maybe in a week and a half. Uh, so, the adapter is yeah, going to be out. The adapter, right. Okay. And so I'm going to get that package, hopefully within a couple of weeks. Is it just for Sony mount? Just for the E-mount. I'm just exclusively getting it for all my Sony stuff. But is, 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 are, there other, uh, are there other mounts available? Um, there's only another mount for the Sigma mount, which why would you get one of those? But anyway, no, it's, it's, it's basically for e, uh, EOS lenses, which I have a ton. Right. Going to E-mount to e mm-hmm. uh, 
going to the Sony e-mount. So it's basically built for me. I, uh, you know, we're, we're going to need to do an in-depth review. So many questions that have just come flooding in my head right now that we don't have time uh, to talk about. No. But we will address these uh, very questions and uh, these images that I have in my head uh, in our next episode. So yes. uh, we will definitely uh, be questioning you on that. Yes. Well, thank you for that teaser. So folks... Uh, yes. uh, Stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, our website, techmovepodcast.com. Uh, we'd like you to also subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us at TechMove. We have a Facebook presence, Tech Move Podcast, and a Twitter presence, at TechMovePodcast is where you'll find us. Uh, we also enjoy you listening to us on Stitcher. And, of course, where are you going to search for us? Nothing but TechMove. Mm -hmm. So uh, look for that. And then uh, you can also support the uh, podcast keith can you share with us how they do that yes go to techmovepodcast.com slash amazon that'll bring you directly to amazon but if you buy anything during that session we get a commission which we like it we it, do. It, it, it helps us with uh paying the uh the multitudes of staff that we have yes uh, trips to nab stays at high high-end luxury <laughs> hotels right Exactly. Lots of lots of amazing dinners. Right. Room, room service. Right, room service. <laughs> uh, 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 velour robes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. The the little the special slippers they they That's provide. Right. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, cigars from uh, from Panama, Cuba. Havana, Havana cigars. Havana cigars. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Good. <laughs> And of course, Dom Perignon uh, to bathe in. So, oh yes, uh, yes, fantastic. and rose rose petals. Yes. Well, thank you uh, <laughs> very much for supporting us. Uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because we're going to have uh, more episodes coming out. Um, of course, <laughs> as we see fit. But anyway, <laughs> I, uh, thanks uh, to everybody, uh, Keith. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been Rod Louie, and with me has been Keith Moreau. And we want to thank you for joining us on this very special edition of the NEB 2016 coverage that we had. And uh, we invite you to join us for our next episode of Tech Move. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>